Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon and skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This isn't your grandma's Ria, folks. No sales from the front ever and no smell of stale coffee, Ben Gay, or disappointment. You know what I'm talking about. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done and I pick their brain for your amusement and hopefully education. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a like. Share it across the internet, subscribe, all that stuff. It really does help. If you have any comments or questions or any uh, suggestions for who I should interview, let me know. Send me a message. Go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. Hello, or go to YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. Legal disclaimer. It's where we live in, folks. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals and maybe consider being an adult first. Don't fucking sue me. All right. Show quote of the week. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investors Show Quote of the Week. I try and pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And actually this week, uh, Jesse picked it. But in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. I'm going to butcher this poor guy's name. John Francis Tig. Tig. Oh, God. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king by John Francis T. With some other letters behind that. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to my guest, Mr. Jesse Boyd. Jesse started his first business, Grass Bandits, when he was in high school. I don't know. Middle school. Middle school. Over 10 years, he built Grass Bandits into a successful lawn care company. In 2010, he started investing in real estate. Two years after buying his first rental, he sold his successful lawn maintenance company, Grass Bandits, to invest in real estate full-time. Jesse has gone from spending his wedding money and maxing out credit cards to buy that first rental house to owning and managing 53 single-family homes with his business partner, Mike. That's a dundon. Jesse believes that a combination of renting and flipping properties is a recipe for long-term success. He has flipped and wholesaled 48 properties in the last four years. The strong and steady growth of Jesse's real estate business can be traced back to his ability to acquire financing. To date, Jesse has raised approximately $4 million in private and institutional loans. Currently, he is working on his business to maximize flexibility and freedom so he can spend more time with his growing family. Jesse has been happily married to his wife, Dana, for seven years. Lovely lady. He has a son, Levi, 18 months old, and another baby on the way due May 2016. Congrats. Thank you. And uh, you didn't want me to say this, but you guys will probably not leave me alone. I buy imihomes.com. I won't plug it much because he asked that I not, but I didn't want 10,000 emails. How do I get a hold of Jesse? <laughs> I buy mihomes.com. Thanks for coming out, Jesse. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to be here. So you started Grass Bandits when you were how old? Uh, I was 12. 12. How, you were like half the size. 
I don't half think, the I man. Don't, I don't think half the size. My son is already almost half my size. <laughs> he's, he's, he's approaching three feet. So what are you feeding <laughs> Levi? Good lord! Stop! I need some of it, man. So you were twelve years old. All right, let's go back even further. Where were you born? All that raised. Sure, sure. Um, I know you're uh, Redford kid. Oh yeah. I mean, my my folks moved to Redford when I was only a few months old. So, um, pretty much born and raised in Redford. Still live there now. Can't escape. Mean streets of Redford. Mean streets of Redford. Yeah. So, what made you start at twelve years old? What made you start a lawn care maintenance company? Well, it didn't. It didn't necessarily start out as a lawn company. Uh, it was more of just pure desire to keep up with my brothers. I've got so a little bit more about me. I've got uh, three brothers: two older, one younger. And um, uh, my oldest brother is five years older than me. My next is uh, three years older than me. Um, so, uh, you know, they uh, by the time I was twelve, they already had like their first jobs. They're working at restaurants, wherever. Sibling rivalry. Yeah, <clears throat> and so I, you know, I'd see them start being able to buy stuff. Uh, they'd come home with checks, nothing big, but you know, I see one hundred and fifty bucks they just made, and. You know, I'm waiting for my my five bucks a week allowance. I'm like, this this could be sweeter. You know, I can. <laughs> I was like, they're they're maybe a little bit bigger than me, but not any smarter. So I can, uh, uh, you know, I can I can do this. <clears throat> I wasn't legally old enough to work though. So um, back when this country was great, children could work. By the way, <laughs> yeah. But I figure uh, no one can stop me from just going out in my neighborhood looking for odd jobs. So that's kind of how it started. I. Uh, put together the worst flyers you could ever imagine. They were really bad. I don't know. You haven't seen my first ones, have you? Uh, I don't know. I was I was just a little punk. I couldn't, you know, it was bad. It was really bad. Really but, bad? Oh, really bad. But I went around. <laughs> I stapled them to telephone poles. I, I passed them out door to door. And uh, um, something tells me 12-year-old Jesse had a five-point marketing plan. <laughs> no. Did you have like a pointer? This is what we're going to do. All the kids on their big wheels first. We're gonna you. You're gonna hit all the telephone balls. Is that how it happened? <laughs> no, you no, just always no. seem so organized. Like you have a, a ten point plan for waking up in the morning. You know, <laughs> ten point plan for taking a dump the correct way, the Jesse way, the Jesse way. I'm fairly organized, <laughs> but I, I impressively still... so. I, I'm kind of giving you a hard time, but <laughs> it's out of admiration. All your standard operating procedures you have for life. So. Yeah. Well, I still, I still was a kid at one point, so uh, it was just kind of throw something together, go out there and uh, make it happen. So <clears throat> the first lawn I ever, I ever cut. Cause I mean, when you think of uh, odd jobs, people need the lawn cut, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the first That's lawn I, one ever, to get I ever cut was at the corner, corner of my street. And it was this, uh, this Indian family hired me to, uh, to cut their lawn, big corner lot. And, uh, I'll never forget it. They, they sat outside in their lawn chairs and watched me the entire time. <clears throat> and uh, uh, about halfway through, they, they came up to me and they said, would you like a Coca-Cola? And so uh, I might. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, took, I took the Coca-Cola. Sounds delicious. And uh, it took me hours, probably two or three hours to cut that lawn because did all the, the trimming and clean up with very limited tools. Um, but made 25 bucks and a uh, light bulb went off. You know, hey, this this lawn that I just cut today is going to be long again in a week from now. 
why not why not just you know because i i started off with a wide net right i do anything for money you know it's just i'll <laughs> i'll i'll shovel your dog crap i'll 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 cut your grass i'll sweep i'll you know whatever but uh light bulb went off in that moment and grass keeps growing yeah so i i i, I put together new flyers that you know uh targeted more just lawn cutting and uh that was pretty much how Grass Bandits got started. And I started with a, a friend. So we, we pushed uh, his parents' 22-year-old craftsman lawnmower up and down the streets. Our service area was as far as we could push a, a lawnmower. <laughs> Did you have a drawn map service area at 12 years old? <laughs> so it was like a that's few a, blocks. That's right? a put-together kid. <laughs> <laughs> got a few blocks. You have territories for all the – when was your first employee, your first hire? Oh, my first actual How old hire. were you when you, your first hire, and who was your first employee? Um, my first employee was a kid that uh, sat next to me uh, in economics class in high school. Every day, he'd bug me about hiring him. He'd like write me signs and hold it up and say, like, Jesse, you need to hire me. I like this kid already. And uh, so eventually... Because I I just I kept telling him no 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 but eventually I I just broke down he was very persistent so uh, there's a lesson in that folks yeah yeah persistence wins how old were you and how old was he no oh, we were in the same same grade so about how old oh shoot I I mean fifteen sixteen seventeen we were we were driving um, sixteen then. probably sixteen yeah yeah so you're not even out of high school and you got your first employee yeah. Okay. What was Grass Bandits doing then? How many lawns a week were you cutting? Between 12 and your first employee, right around 16, how did the lawn business progress? And, and uh, what were some – actually, what, one of the questions I have was what were the lessons as you're becoming an adult and learning that you learned about starting Grass Bandits? Oh, uh, there's so much I learned. Uh, probably the big thing for me was uh, just learning how to talk to people, learning how to talk to adults. I was – extremely shy as a kid i mean like it was detrimental to me as a human being difficult to imagine uh so uh my desire to go out and work and to earn money was was greater than my fear of of talking to people in the end because uh uh here i am right talking doing a podcast with you and real estate is nothing but talking to people but uh deathly afraid of talking to people i mean i I'd, I'd be like physically shaking you know the first the first few times i had to like call a client uh a lawn client on the phone um the first one is always scary yeah she's like yeah. the first hundred are scary really <laughs> but you know especially i i mean it it, it grew me in ways uh i mean because that that uh basically it was it, it would always come to a decision point right it's like do i either cower in fear of talking to someone or uh you know demanding i get paid or uh making another sale or whatever it always come to you know i either i either uh, cower in fear or i i make it happen move this thing forward and like intellectually, I knew what the answer was. Like, I want to move this thing forward. So, uh, just through ever what whatever it took, you know, through embarrassment, embarrassment, getting red in the face, physically shaking, being nervous, you know, you just push through it. And embarrassment works for me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like being embarrassed. Yeah, I fight being embarrassed 
as hard as I can uh, to not be embarrassed. So how many of your clients um, didn't pay a kid? I'm just curious. I'm sure you learned some There shit from that are too. a surprising number of scumbags out yeah. in the world uh, who won't even pay uh, a teenage kid working hard after school. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I would be like 15, 16 and, you know, I would get together my plan like, all right, this is how I'm going to collect from these people. And my first brilliant <laughs> idea was I'm going to hit them at night because I know they're home. I'm going to dress up in my leather jacket, put on my leather gloves. So I'm going to bang on their door. <laughs> Did that work? <laughs> I got a few people to pay me like that. Yeah. Hey, maybe you should pay me. Maybe your fucking window will be broken. No, <laughs> they'd be, they'd open the that. door and they'd be kind of surprised to see me. They'd be like, hey, what are you doing here? I know you're not cutting my grass. I'm like, Where's yeah, money, I'm here man? to get paid. <laughs> So what was plan B if that didn't work? Uh, leather jacket, leather gloves, <laughs> plan A, plan B is an email. Uh, there was an email then, was there? Or how close uh, to email? There was email. I wasn't really using it though. Okay. I'm not surprised. What was plan B? How'd you get paid? I'm sure you figured out ways to get paid. Uh, I don't know. A lot of time. Well, I had a lot of ideas of, of what I do, but <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like life, right? Yeah. That um, idea sucked. Um, my, my favorite, I read on a, a lawn forum called lawnsite.com was, uh, you take like the, um, um, uh, what's it called? I'm having a fun time thinking of you at like 14 trolling lawn care forums. Yeah. <laughs> Most teenage guys like boobs. <laughs> Jesse's like, man, how do I get these deadbeats to pay? <laughs> Ooh, lawn care. Forum? Well, this wouldn't be effective, but it would have made me feel good. Right. You put the, um, you put the the herbicide and the the big pump sprayer, and you and you write on their lawn. I don't pay my bills, so Ooh. like like three days later, it's just pure brown. And I'm a fan of public shaming, <laughs> but you know that's not the right thing to do. It was just not. fun to think of in my mind. Oh, all right, that is not the right thing to but do. But no, ultimate, really, the fact is, you know, I I would try different things, but people just wouldn't pay. Sometimes, what are you going to do? I mean, you're you're pretty low on the totem pole. I mean, as a lawn service, people are going to pay, people are hopefully going to pay their rent, right? People are going to pay their, or their mortgage. People are going to pay their car. People so are like gonna, cardboard boxes and walking. People are going to pay their, their cell phone bills and, uh, their cable. But, uh, I don't know. The lawn guy is pretty low on the list. So I, you know, every year I lost a considerable amount of money to people just not paying. Um, and, I got I got sick of it to a point, and I said, "Why Why am I doing this? Why am I doing business like everyone else? Why do I have to cut someone's lawn for four weeks, send them an invoice in the mail, and then I give them another fifteen thirty days to pay? At which point, I've done another two to four cuts. Right, You're basically like a bank. Yeah, I'm a bank. Yeah, I'm loaning people money. Yeah. Why am I doing this? So I said, "Well, why can't I be like Netflix?" Uh, cause when I was in high school, that's when, that's when Netflix started coming. I'd see, I was mowing people's lawns. I see all the red envelopes in people's, uh, boxes, um, subscription boxes. lawn care service, yeah, right? subscription lawn care service. Why not? Why can't I cut their grass and immediately ding their credit card or their bank account? So I switched everyone over. It was a huge pain in the butt. Um, how old were you when you did that? Um, this was probably shortly shortly after high school okay so yeah like 19, i was 18 19 18 19 all right yeah so six years I'm like man these deadbeats are killing me they're killing my bottom line yeah why don't i just become a long care subscription service so did you lose a lot of customers when you made that switch 
No, well, not really. Just I mean, people people don't really. Uh, if they're a good client, they don't really care. I mean, we, especially if we've developed a, a relationship with them over the years. Um, I mean, what I paid twenty five dollars now for the cut, or twenty five dollars later, it, it doesn't matter. It's the same. You know, the the people who care are the people who don't plan on paying you, right? Yes, that's true. <laughs> I ain't doing that. Yeah, you don't exactly. have to. You don't have to. <laughs> you can go screw someone else. Thank you very much. Yep. Wait, did you work with? Did your brothers work with you at all in the business, or was it too competitive for that? Or they have their own things going, or they don't want to work for their little brother? Um, no, my my younger brother worked for me for a little while. Um, my friends worked for me. Um, yeah, mostly friends and family, like the Don, <laughs> the Redford Don, <laughs> the Lawns. So. What did your parents think about you? Did your other brothers start businesses or what do they think about a 12 year old starting a lawn care business? I, I'm always curious about this. My parents were very supportive. Uh, I mean, they, I don't know. I never got any resistance. And in fact, they, I, I got a lot of support uh, too. I remember early on, you know, they had no idea, uh, you know, they couldn't help me. Right. My parents could teach me how to tie my shoes and be polite, but my parents have always had normal jobs, right? They don't know anything about starting a business. So they actually uh, ponied up some money and paid a lawyer to kind of help, you know, organize some things. Uh, I mean, little do they know is uh, you can pretty much do it yourself. You know, uh, the resources for starting a business weren't as, as good as they are now, like on the Michigan.gov slash business. Yeah, it's pretty easy now. It's pretty, pretty easy now. They were still kind of putting together their checklists and things then. But, um, um, is that how the LLC was born? Yeah. The LLC was born. We had to put it under my father's name because I wasn't old enough. Right. I mean, you can't be legally responsible for anything until you're 18. Um, so we put it under my father's name and, and to, you know, reserve the LLC and then, uh, uh, just transfer everything over as soon as I was 18. Okay. So fast forward again to 18, 19, you got everybody prepaying like uh, Netflix customers. and Yeah, so they're, they're either paying credit card or bank account every two cuts um, or they could prepay for the season at a discount, which solved another huge problem in the business is, you know, we're seasonal. So, you know, uh, it's feast or famine. It's it's great spring, summertime. You're cutting tons of grass. Money's flowing in. And then wintertime. I mean, nothing, nothing, unless you do snow removal, which I did for a while, hated it. Everybody hates snow removal. So, you know, I, the the last several years, I, you know, I, I was able to organize my business in a way I could take the winters off, just work really hard during the summer. Um, but what happens is, you know, you, you, hopefully you save up, store up kind of like a, a chipmunk or a gerbil, right? And then you can get uh, ahead and then you can kind of, uh, feed off of that for the winter. You had to um, learn that as a kid too, didn't you? Because same same sort of thing. So yeah, those are important lessons to learn. Uh, so we started this prepay campaign that would hit. We'd start running it in the winter, so we would have uh, cash flow coming in during the winter. So we could uh, my ba- my customers would basically um, uh, you know pay early. They, they'd finance any of my uh, equipment purchases for the year because I'd buy them at the beginning of the year um, and. Uh, worked out great. Uh, prepay is a is a something that all lawn services should be doing. 
I know Sean was pretty happy about it when he was talking. Oh, about he's oh. oh he's he's taken it to uh, so much further degree than I ever had it. Yeah, well, he got he's such a nice guy. He got screwed so many times. I remember he's like, "This is brilliant. This is I'm gonna go do this." <laughs> I was like, "Hell yeah, that's a good idea." I did. I started a lawn care, not a lawn care company. I started a lawn mowing hobby mm-hmm. for a year and a half in high school too, and I got. It is. People don't like paying. Like, oh, they, I think they could just think they get away with it by not paying a kid. Yeah. Right? I can only imagine what that's like with several employees, trucks, gas, insurance. I bet that shit sucks, right? Yeah. It's not like 50 bucks. It, was, it ruined my life. Oh, 50 bucks. Can't take my girlfriend out. You know? <laughs> You're like, oh, I got to go in my pocket and pay some people. Yeah. So why real estate? Why not just become the biggest lawn care company in Michigan to swallow everything up. I'm old Michigan's grass.com. Something like that. Right. <laughs> uh, lawn, the lawn business is, is a tough business. I mean, the barrier of entry is extremely low. I mean, you get a guy, a pickup truck and a lawnmower and you're in business, right? Lots of competition. So everyone and their brothers doing it. Um, there's not a whole lot of leverage in the business and it's not necessarily a business that plays well to my strengths. Um, I am terrible at managing people like employees, like managing unmotivated people. I'm terrible at it. Uh, so there's a lot of, uh, areas of lawn business that, that, uh, didn't speak to my strengths and eventually started wearing on me pretty heavily. And then the way I had built it was mainly, friends and family working for me. Um, and, uh, I guess to, to, to continue on with the story a little bit as well, you know, at, at, uh, at 20, I got married, uh, to my wife, Dana, and we, we decided, okay, we either need to move into an apartment or, uh, buy a small house and keep the shop that we're renting, um, for grass bandits or, uh, we can buy um, a house with a larger property where we can live and run the business, <clears throat> which the right property ended up coming up um, in Redford. You know, we've got an acre and a quarter, had a huge garage on it, almost a thousand square foot garage, a big cement slab in the back that I could park four or five trailers. It was like perfect. I couldn't believe it. It was perfect. And uh, so we ended up buying that house. Um Moved all of our, moved my whole business over, stored all the stuff in the garage, park all the trailers on the slab in the back. We put a turnaround in so we could, we could drive in around the back of my garage, um, turn around in the back, um, unload equipment, load equipment, things like that. Um, but the bad part of this was, uh, it wasn't really sustainable for, uh, for me and Dana going, going forward, you know, it, I mean, a bunch uh, of guys hanging out the house all the yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So equipment everywhere. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not too bad. Trailers stacked too bad in the, the backyard, the first, wife looking out the for, window for the first few years. It's like, whatever, you know, we're young married couple. We're going to do whatever we have to, to, to survive and move forward. But, you know, we knew that, uh, early on that, Hey, we want to end up, uh, having a family, having kids and, you know, pretty much our, our business and our personal lives were just like one, they were just mashed together. And, um, especially, you know, seeing that my, my labor pool was friends and family and knowing that I would only, I'd only be able to keep them around for so long because, you know, no one, no one dreams of working on a lawn crew. 
You don't right. think so? No, I, you know, I think you're probably correct. Right. You know, everyone's, you know, you're either in that position cause you're, you're hopefully heading somewhere greater moving you know? up in the world. You're either a student, um, and it's your, uh, your job to miss, just make some quick cash over the summer or, uh, you know, you, you got bigger plans. If, if you're in it for the long haul, if you're what Sean calls a lifer, <laughs> um, you know, you, you've got, you've got some serious problems. You're a, you're a drug addict. You're a, uh, an ex con, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you're low ambition, <laughs> low ambition. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I, I that's saw, obviously we realize we're generalizing folks. There are exceptions to every rule. I always want to throw that out there. Cause sure. There's sure. one guy. He works so hard. <laughs> okay. 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 We're generalizing people. Uh, so I looked into my crystal ball and saw, you know, I only had two, three years left of this. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to have to start hiring people from the outside, right? People I don't know, people outside of my network, uh, they're going to be coming to my home, uh, uh, you know, all hours of the the morning and evening. We work sun up to sundown, especially in the spring, the busy time of the year. And it's just not what I wanted. Um, so, uh, to go, to go back a little bit, uh, when I was in, when I was in high school, again, my parents were very supportive of, of me starting a business, being entrepreneurial. Um, I would come, I would come home after working along, well, I'd, I'd go to school, right. And then, uh, I'd cut as many lawns as I could before the sun went down I'd come home, eat some food really fast and crazy, then go, go into my room to do homework. And, uh, every now and then I'd see just, uh, an article printed out and stapled and, uh, sitting on my pillow. And, uh, since crazy, you know, crazy, busy family, four boys, um, it was hard for, uh, us as a family to you know, always get any quality time together. So it was just kind of like my way of my dad letting me know that like, He's thinking about he's you. thinking about he me. Cares he cares, about, right? Yeah, so he that's would nice. he, he would read these articles about business and finance. If he thought they were they'd be interesting to me, he'd print them out at work and uh, leave them on my pillow. So I started reading these articles late at night, and uh, a lot of them talked about real estate, real estate investing. And uh, so what I did is I started going to the library and checking out some of the books that the articles would reference, and I started reading some of those books. Uh, I think the first book I, I read was. Um, Building Wealth One House at a Time uh, by John Schaub. And just as like a 15, 16-year-old reading that book, <clears throat> there were so many things that were over my head and just made no sense to me. But I just kept reading it uh, and looking up words in the dictionary until I got like kind of the basic concepts down. And uh, just after reading those articles, reading those books, just always kind of stuck with me like, there is so much opportunity in real estate. Like this is crazy. Cause he would, he would break down, uh, examples in the books. Uh, it was mostly about rental housing, um, of, you know, you know, buy at this price, put this much in, you know, rent at this price. This is going to be taxes, your insurance, all this, your monthly cash flow, you know, basic, basic stuff. Um, and then he'd run some appreciation models and things, but I was just blown away um, uh, by, by the returns, you know, in, in the, in the models he would, he would present. And so that was always kind of in the back of my mind. So, you know, fast forward again, uh, to 
2008, 2009, I'm becoming dissatisfied with my business, dissatisfied with my position, right? Because I, I bought this house uh, into 2008, shortly after my home value plummeted. Big time. <laughs> Big time. You're probably okay now, though, right? Or close to okay. I'm, I'm, I'm close. Yeah. I'm close to okay. That's demoralizing when your house just like, oh, I'm here and then, oh, I'm there. So now I've got, I've got, you know, a house that I can only afford because I have my business and a business I can only run because it's out of my house right now. You know, they just feel like to me at that, at that time, that's what it felt like. I was just like, they were tied. Uh, and I didn't know, you know, I had no plan B. I didn't, I didn't go to college, right? I had gotten to the end of high school. Um, I worked really hard in school, had, uh, uh, over a four point by taking advanced advanced placement classes, um, had scholarships to U of M and I'd even, uh, registered for classes. Um, get, you got close, man. You're flirting with it. <laughs> yeah. I had registered hey, for baby. classes. How you doing uh, but then, you know, I had this moment, um, the call of real estate where like a moth to a flame, Jesse goes, where I realized I was, I was just going to go to go do the university thing for everyone else. I wasn't, a, I wasn't doing it for me. I spent all of high school staring outside of a classroom window, wishing I could be out in the world, just making things happen, cutting more grass. Uh, I love that cutting more. Grass. <laughs> Did you write poems? Hardcore rap from the mean streets of Redford, cutting more grass. There may have been poems. Okay. So I hated English <laughs> class. We were jumping all over the place. I don't. But uh, I hated English class. I was really good at math, hated English. So every time I had to write a paper, I would write a paper about grass or lawn mowing in some way, shape, or form. I knew it. And that's, that's, I knew it. That's how I got through English. I love it too. Relevant subject matter. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, on a side note, if they taught, literature and language that way to kids more kids would appreciate it but no they always i like this let's dust this shit off for him you know like <laughs> especially for boys i something about that age i just you're right all i remember is looking out that window going my god why am i stuck in here just dying that's what it felt like to me yeah so, slow death it did right anyway if you're an english teacher I hope you're paying attention <laughs> get some books about lawn maintenance and some guy shit you'll get more people interested in that so 2008, 2009, you're anchored, basically. you The house that makes your business possible, you can't have without your business, and you're tired of it all. Yeah. And you realize I, it's just not sustainable, right? Yeah, I just felt I felt stuck. Um, you know, because a, a business is not like a job where you're just going to put in your two weeks and leave. You know, I, I've got I've got employees that are, are counting on the income. I've got clients who, uh, you know, I've been mowing their lawn for decade I mean, at that point yeah you know, a decade we'll say that's a um, long time for a long time um and it's i mean it's really become uh, a huge part of who i am uh groomed me into the uh you know the young man i i was just a few years ago um so and a young wife yeah yeah you don't want to let her down right 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 so uh I went back to the only thing I could think of. I was like, well, I, you know, I didn't go the school route, so I'm not going to get, uh, I'm probably not going to go in, into the, and get a normal job. Uh, thank God. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, I just got to start a different business, right? I mean, what, what's the other option? Uh, so 
I remembered, you know, reading those books and articles and, uh, about that same time. Cause my, my dad was still sending me articles instead of them being on my pillow. They'd be in my email inbox now. Right. I love it. So I get this, I get this, uh, article about a young man, uh, in Metro Detroit who's investing. Uh, and I love it. I'm like, this guy is doing exactly what I want to be doing here in Metro Detroit. I need, I need to, you know, take this guy out to lunch, pick his brain. I need to figure out what he's doing, how he's doing it. Cause this, this might be my ticket out of my problem. Right. So, um, he had a little, uh, his email address was at the bottom of that article. So, you know, copy and paste that, um, compose email, type it up, say, Hey, I'd like to, you know, buy you some lunch, pick your brain to see what you're doing. Um, you know, I think, uh, I read the article, thought it was awesome and, uh, let's eat. Right. So a couple of weeks go by, I hear nothing, but then I get a email or a phone call back. Uh, he says, all right, sure. Let's, let's go out. Let's grab, let's grab a bite to eat. I'm willing to do that. Um, so we do just that, uh, sit down super, super eager. I'm just asking for, you know, what do I read? Where do I go? What do I do? So I get a whole list of books to read, um, uh, investor clubs to go to, uh, seminars to attend. And then I just, that was like my checklist. I just started reading and going. Do you places. mind sharing who this person is or sure. Uh, Andrew Kuhn. Andrew Kuhn. Yeah. Good job, Andrew. Yeah. He's still killing it. Yeah, he is. Yeah. That's what I love about real estate there. I don't know what I haven't found it anywhere else. Real estate. There is a lot of people willing to take some time to help some people, especially right? if you put food in their belly. Hell yeah. Well, it's, I don't hate to give away too many secrets, but there you need something to clear out the riffraff. Right? <laughs> so it was a buy. It's a nice article. Well, that was nice of him. So you got a checklist. You got the whole thing for the cost of lunch, right? Yeah. Shields pizza. Oh man, that's good. I love Shields pizza. So your checklist, you had books, seminars, Jesse was ready to go clubs to go to. Yeah. So one of the, you know, he, he pointed me towards, uh, uh, Dennis Fassett. We knew, uh, we both know, um, he was running, um, a little boot camp on single family rentals. And remember I had read the book from John Schaub on rentals. So this is kind of what I was interested in. Um, at the same time I was reading, uh, rich dad, poor dad. And, the the timing was uh, just kind of crazy. As I was reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, he's talking about uh, his success, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's success in real estate, and how uh, it had started by going to like a weekend seminar type thing, and he paid seven hundred dollars to go to this this seminar, and he says in the book that what he learned at that seminar, he went on to make millions of dollars from. And here I am looking at my computer screen, looking at Dennis's early bird special for his weekend boot camp. It was normally nine hundred something dollars, and it's 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 early bird special for seven hundred dollars. So I'm sign looking, me up. <laughs> so I'm looking. I'm like, this seems this seems like a sign. I just read this. It's it's almost the exact same scenario. Uh, so I, I talked to my wife and I said, you know, I I think I have to do this. I have to go learn about this rental real estate. Um, I was like, it seems really relevant. This guy's doing it in Metro Detroit. He's doing exactly what I want to be doing. Um, but you know, young married couple, 700 bucks, 700 700 bucks, bucks. a lot of money. Yeah. 
you know, but, uh, thank goodness. Uh, my wife's very supportive. She said, well, I, I can tell you, th- you've thought about it a lot. And if that's what you want to do, you know, go ahead and do it. So how many lawns you got to cut? for $700, <laughs> right? That's, that's the first thing I thought when you said yeah. $700, that's how many lawns? That's a lot of lawns. Yeah. Yeah. Big investment. So you yeah. did it. You pulled the trigger. Yeah. Way yeah. to go wife. Thanks. Thanks for supporting Jesse. And you went. Yeah. That was probably in 2009. Yeah. Um, I think that's when I met you. Was it end of 2009? Yeah. Cause probably RDI was probably on that checklist I got from Andrew Kuhn. So that's when I started showing up at the RIAs and everything. Um, and, uh, I mean, it still took me till, I think it ended up taking me about a year and a half. So that must've been early 2009. It took a year and a half before I actually bought my first property. Um, just so you know, everybody knew you were going to be big. I'm just, I'm just dropping that on you right there. I remember when you came in, I'm not going to tell you right now. I'll tell you off air, but there were three people who came up to me, told me this kid's going to the top before you bought any of your own thing. So you were certainly making a, uh, make it, you were making yourself known before you were even known too. So and I think that was cause I don't know. You, I remember cause you came to me and you asked pointed questions. You're like, how did I do this? How did I do that? But I think that was at the end of. 2009. So you bought your first rental in 2010? 2010, June 25th. June 25th, 2010. So from the time you started to the time you, like, when did you go to Dennis's boot camp and when did you buy the uh, your first rental? I Like I said, I think it was about a year and a half. And That's pretty quick. It felt like an eternity. Because, sure you know, I, I would go through periods of being really fired up, you know, especially like right after the boot camp. Like, all right, let's go do this thing. And, you know, my biggest hurdle at the time was was money, even though houses were selling in Redford for, you know, 20, 30 grand at the time. Nothing. It's still 20, 30 grand, right? I didn't, I didn't have it. I had some savings, but not that much. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, that certainly wasn't the only obstacle right i had no idea what i was doing yeah <laughs> and you're running a lawn company and i'm, I'm running a, a company so yeah so you know if somebody uh, hasn't run a business i don't think they necessarily realize how time if you're doing it right anyway for at least for large periods of time it just sucks up your entire life or yeah. it seems like weeks on end sometimes before you get some light at the end of the tunnel that's why it, that's another reason it took a year and a half too yeah, so while I was working on the the money side of things, because you know I I started going to uh, these clubs and seminars and learning about OPM, right? Other people's money, and uh, uh, you know approaching people f- to to borrow money to do my first house, and uh, you know I was going through channels of friends and family, and you know just trying to get some kind of traction. So during that period. Um, uh, I, d- I did a few things, you know, I mainly worked on, uh, making connections, um, and letting everyone know what I was doing. And I figured eventually there would be someone stupid enough to give me money, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's like, it only takes one person. Um, so, uh, during that period of time I, I was, uh, I wanted to get in properties. I wanted to those, see them. Those people gave me money. <laughs> <laughs> those people gave you money. <laughs> Not you. Those people are fucking happy. <laughs> Sorry. Inside joke. Anyway. Um, Only takes one. Didn't mean to interrupt you. I just couldn't let that go. It was such yeah. a good opportunity to make fun of myself. So during that time, I wanted to still at least get into properties, uh, you know, learn the market. So I was ready to pull the trigger when the day came. So that's... Uh, uh, that's when 
my current business partner, Michael Dundon came into play. I, I had reached back out to, to Dennis, um, to ask if he knew any, uh, buyer's agents who'd be willing to show me show an investor houses. Uh, and he said, you know what? Uh, let me, let me get you in touch with, with, uh, this guy, Michael. Uh, he just went through my, uh, my boot camp as well. Uh, he's, you know, young guy trying to do the, the same thing you're doing. And he's, he's licensed right now, you know, working as a, working as an agent. So I call up Michael. I, I say, Hey, you want to go grab a bite to eat? We can talk, see if there's any sort of synergy here. Um, and we went and grabbed some Panera and, uh, it was, uh, a kind of a crazy meeting. It went from just us not knowing each other at all, all the way to like, we were just got really fired up talking about real estate, talking about rentals, um, and all the opportunity out there, um, to, uh, we ended up spending the entire evening looking at houses. I mean, it started off as it was just going to be a one hour meeting. And then, uh, I said, Hey, do you want to go check out Redford? I know the area really well from, I've been, I've spent, um, you know, the last 10, 12 years driving up and down the streets of Redford cutting grass. But you know, every street, <clears throat> I was like, I think Redford is, is a great place to be uh, doing rentals. Well, that, it was actually one of, cause Dennis had listed like, I don't know, five, six cities that, that, uh, he called destination cities, um, that, uh, you know, he felt were great areas to be investing in rentals. So when I had gone to his, his, his boot camp, I was like, Oh my goodness. I, like I am Redford. Like I, I grew up here. I, I work here. I went to school here. Like I can do this. Like it gave me so much hope to learn that like, Hey, Redford is one of the key areas that I should be looking at. You know, I thought maybe I was going to have to go somewhere else or I, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what I didn't know, but, um, that was great news to me that there was, you know, there was potentially tons of, of opportunity, you know, within a stone's throw of my house. So it's pretty amazing. It's good. Well, you knew, I bet you know every street in Redford, like practically, right? Uh, I know a lot of them. Like yeah, 90%, probably ninety yeah. percent. Yeah. Push your lawnmower up and down, all that. Yeah. So the meeting yeah. with with the Dundon, I call him the Dundon. The Dundon, yeah. yeah. The Dundon. Um, that obviously went really well, right? You guys started just hit it off pretty much right off the bat, which doesn't surprise me knowing yeah. you too. Yeah. So. Uh, we we hopped in the car. We came to my house so we could hop on the MLS and grab a bunch of lockbox codes. There's you know just a glut of foreclosures at the time, and we went and saw probably six houses. I mean, we just we both, you know, I don't think we had anything else. I don't think I had anything really going on that afternoon <laughs> evening. And knowing Michael, he didn't either. But um, uh, yeah, we end up spending the whole day looking at houses and just super fired up. Uh, so then we decided, hey, you know, if we're if we've b- both been trying to do the same thing, we've both been kind of spinning our wheels and not getting any traction. Like, why don't we work together, try to get one house done? Because uh, what what I was really after, what I knew I needed was um, track record, right? And e- even if you even if you two people do one house, it's not like you each only get half the track record, right? No, you get all the credit, right? You get all the credit. So yeah. we figured Mike didn't do anything. <laughs> Mike's telling the story. Jesse didn't do anything. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. So we figured we just need one house. We need to get, you know, 
great before and after pictures document the entire process. If we can get one, everything else will start falling into place. Um, yeah. Build a string of successes, right? So, uh, basically between the two of us, we were able to pull together our resources to buy our first property. He, he borrowed, uh, some money from his parents and I, uh, I took the money that we got from our, our wedding, you know, people give you money gifts and everything. Um, and we had just kind of stashed that. Um, so I took our wedding money and some credit cards and, uh, we bought this house on uh, Virgil street in, uh, Redford for, I think we got it for 27. Good deal. And, uh, you know, I put, I put as much as I could on that credit card, all the, all the home Depot runs and everything max that puppy out. And then, uh, the rest came out of that, that wedding money. And I think some little personal funds went in there too. Um, yeah, the first deal is kind of like a, all get everybody on board, you know, we're oh, going yeah. to put this together, uh, reaching in the couch cushions. Uh, that's a buck right there. At least that's how my first deal felt like a little bit here, a little bit there. So, so it was a rehab too, that how much Virgil, that was your first deal. I was going to ask, what was your first deal? So what, yeah, let's talk about Virgil. Yeah. You bought it twenty seven thousand. How much work did it need? Uh, we put a little over twenty thousand into that. It was actually we were trying to flip it because um, at that point we, you know, none of that money was was we could ha- was not money we could have out for a long period of time. You know, his parents were going to want their their thirty grand back really fast, and you know, I couldn't keep that money on that that credit card with the the interest rate. And uh, yeah, the alligator gobble you up, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, the plan was to flip it and, you know, get the track record and then, you know, go from there. Um, you know, but there were a couple, we did a lot of things right, but we did a couple things wrong. Um, and then our, our timing wasn't the best either. So at that time, I didn't know how new Mike was in, in the, the real estate business. I thought I gave him more credit than he deserved. <laughs> I knew he was licensed, but I didn't know like that. He was just recently licensed and, and hadn't done very many deals. But, uh, so he was pulling comps from across telegraph. Oops. Oops. <clears throat> so, you know, we're, we're flipping this house. We think we're going to get 70,000 for, and, uh, you know, it only ended up appraising for 60 plus, uh, that was when that the, the period of time when that first time home buyers tax credit was going on. Like we hit the market yeah. like right as it expired. And that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Cause you know, that was artificially boosting, boosting the sales prices by the amount of the tax credit, you know, seventy five hundred, eight eight thousand dollars Yeah. I bet that stole a couple of years of sales into the future because yeah. of that tax credit. Right. So, you know, at that point we were heading into the colder months. Um, you know, we, we, our options were sell the house at a lot less than we, we expected or rent it out and figure it out. Right. <laughs> Cause it, our money Uh-oh. problem didn't go away. Yeah. So, uh, we decided uh, to rent it out. We put it up, uh, for a thousand bucks a month. We actually got like seven or eight applications, um, almost immediately on that house. Cause we had done a nice job. Uh, and, we end up getting someone for ten twenty five. It's kind of like a multiple offer lease situation. It was strange. Good too. Good too. Yeah. And, the, cream uh, of the crop, right? and then, you know, we were off to the races. That was our, our first, our first rental. 
And for those listening, Telegraph is a major road in Metro Detroit. It's a major north-south. It's four lanes, six lanes, I think even eight lanes in certain spots, back mm. and forth. And when you're pulling comparables, you don't want to cross major roads. <laughs> so for our European listeners. Especially not Telegraph. Especially not te- Telegraph. You don't even want to cross like five mile or six mile, let alone. Yeah. Eight lanes of traffic to Dearborn Heights or something like that. <laughs> a completely different city. So that could be problematic. It's an easy thing to do, especially with the MLS here. I don't know why it's so uh, – I don't know why it doesn't know where to pull them, but I've done it enough times to know if you're not paying attention. Like, do-do-do, looks so small on the map. No, that's a major yeah. That's a major road. So at what point – so you got your first deal on, you're renting it. Mm-hmm. Didn't go as planned at all. No. What kind of conversation do you have to have with your with your money people, right? You know, it's like, hey, we're gonna sell it in spring, or what? Well, what would you would you tell them? What was well, that pitch? was that was more Mike's problem, right? Because my money was on my credit cards and from my <laughs> it was Mike's stash. problem. I, Cry I mean, me a river, Mike. <laughs> you know, certainly, certainly, I was keeping my my wife in the loop because I'd spent all of our <laughs> all of our savings and our money. But uh, again, thank thank the Lord, I have uh, a supporting wife, um, but. Mike was getting a lot of heat from his parents because they pulled that out of a retirement account and they were going to, if they didn't have it back in by a certain period of time, they were going to start getting hit with some serious penalties. Yeah. Um, so, um, I don't know. The pressure was on. So how we ended up eventually getting out of it was, uh, cause mind you during this period, you know, I'm self-employed and basically Mike is too. He's a realtor. So none, neither one of us are going to get a, uh, a conventional loan to to refi this money out. So, and that's because you have no W two income, right? No W two income, especially with the lawn business. I I claimed as little income as as Absolutely. humanly possible. Right. Employees uh, are expensive too. That's why you do that, right? Right. right. Yeah. Um, and I mean that, and the lawn business wasn't that lucrative to begin with. So <laughs> I didn't look great to a bank. Uh, so at the same time, Michael was uh, uh, helping out some uh, other investors, guys actually he knew from back in his uh, rock and roll days when he was in a band. They were um, looking at picking up rentals um, in Redford, similar type housing. And um, so uh, between Michael and I kind of having conversations with with them and helping them with their housing needs to acquire houses, you know, the subject of our, of what we were doing, uh, naturally kind of came up and, you know, it ended up being, you know, they told us, uh, you know, if, if money's a problem, maybe money shouldn't be a problem. And, uh, and so ears perk up. Yeah. they, They basically took, took, took interest, um, you must have done a good job for them. Took took interest in you know what we were doing, and uh, they had interest in loaning loaning funds um, as well as acquiring rentals. So basically, uh, he just wanted to come through, see the house. You know, at that point, we were you know two to three months in, collected uh, collected rents. Everything was going really smooth. So we had kind of shown like, hey, we we can do this. We took a a really ugly beat up foreclosure, made it into a beautiful house. We got some tenants in, and it's performing. It's a good story too. Yeah. So uh, he went through, showed him the house, and he said, "All right, I'm game. You know, I'll do this one." And he basically uh, refinanced us out. 
Mike's Mike got uh, his, his parents paid off, and I got most of my money, most of my money back. He wasn't do, willing to do the full amount that we wanted, but most of it. So I was able to pay off my credit card, and then some of my money just sat in the house as equity for a few years till we were able to pull that out too. Yeah. So that was, and I think that might have been a business model right there, right? Rinse and repeat. Yeah. You're like, oh, I can do that again. Right? <laughs> well, uh, it did happen again very quickly because all while this was going on, uh, I was still uh, busy. I mean, I, I was not going to stop uh, uh, working at this this real estate thing because I figured this is, again, like I'm heavily motivated to get out of the lawn business, right? So I'm, I'm working my butt off and I had gotten... Uh, a couple other houses under contract at that point. And, uh, you know, I hadn't had things figured out either. <laughs> you know, I didn't have money for them. I didn't, uh, well, I think I did. I had acquired a line of credit for my lawn business at that point, which um, I, I wholesaled a house or two with that. But still the money thing was, was a big issue. So I had, I had bought another house in Redford um, probably with that line of credit Um and uh, was going to be fixing that up for rental. So we did them back to back. The, the the refinance is pretty close. The first the one on Virgil, then this next one on Silbert. Uh, he walked through both houses and funded funded two pretty pretty close to each other. So that was that was awesome. Hell yeah! At what point did you realize I have to just get rid of grass bandits? Like it's just choking me to death. I can't do this real estate thing and this lawn thing at the same time. How did you do it? What did that look like? How did you put it together? I obviously know some of this, but yeah, this is this is the great part of the story, right? So, <laughs> so it was probably winter of 2011, and uh, so it's winter. I, I'm 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 taking it off, but really not off. I'm I'm not doing lawns, but I'm working my butt off trying to do this new real estate thing. Uh, And every time I had the thought of like having to prep for spring or do prepaid letters or do anything grass bandits related, I would just feel so sad and depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. And not uh, spring again. So, um, like I make a lot of large decisions, sometimes it just comes to me. Like it, uh, like when, just like when I uh, decide not to go to college, or when I told my wife to quit her job, and again like this, it just comes to me all of a sudden. In a moment, I, I just say, "That's it. I'm getting rid of grass bandits." And it's like I don't know where it comes from. It just like an idea pops into my head, and then I just it's stuck. So there was a moment where I was just absolutely convinced I could not do it another spring, and so it was going. <laughs> gonna go away one way or another not one more spring hashtag right yep yep so uh at that same time i had been uh exploring other uh streams of streams of income and uh had been working on an educational product for for lawn services and my big my big thing was I had put together like a, uh, like, I don't know, it was a hundred pages or something about how to deal with a, accounts receivables as a lawn business. Because right, this was my big pain point. Yeah, absolutely. And I figured if I could put together it's everybody's um, big pain point, I think. Yeah, too, I <laughs> yeah. If correctly. I could put together a, a book or a, you know a, a binder of 
you know, rock solid information for other lawn services and do it with, by solving one of the major problems in that business. And I could have success with that. Then I could create a whole line of, of informational products for how to run a lawn service. Cause even though I, I wasn't necessarily happy doing it, I was, I was running a pretty good company. I mean, we were doing over 250 jobs a week. I had, um, three full crews. I had, yeah, it wasn't I had, small at I had all. scored, you know, a bunch of municipal work. Um, I had, uh, a great little logo, our mascot. Awesome logo. Great URL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grassbandits. Grassbandits.com. It's awesome. You know, I, I had done a lot of things. What, was, what was your, right. we'll make your, uh, I'm trying to remember your tagline. Hold on. Grass. Well, what was it again? Help oh, out here. uh, can you remember? Or can I, I remember? <laughs> or do I have to Google it? <laughs> can I remember? It's been so yeah. long. I had done a couple of versions of it, but it was something like we'll, we'll rob you. We'll of, rob you of your. Uh, we'll rob you of your outdoor hassles. I love it. Grass yeah. bandits. Will Grass rob bandits. You. It's, it's such a great. Doesn't get any better than that. People would spend a lot of money. They go to a firm and be like, "Oh, well, here you go, six figures." Twelve-year-old <laughs> <laughs> so, Jesse's like, "I got this shit." <laughs> So I mean, it, it was going pretty well. I was I was really good at the 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 business systems and organizational end of uh, running running that business. I had a lot to. I'd say branding too, right? Yeah, and branding strong so, brand. Uh, so I figured if I could if I could put that into a product and sell it, I could turn it into another uh, revenue stream. This was before that you know that moment that I it was part it was kind of part of that really as i was going through this process of of making this um of writing this uh educational product i really realized that i lost the passion for the business altogether um but i pushed through i finished it um and that was uh you know around the same time that i was regularly going to the uh, rdi meetings and i had met uh sean uh who uh would later buy my business that's shown friend episode six i'll put it in the show notes go listen to it amazing dude so uh i'd been going to rdi sean started coming to rdi uh he he owned an existing lawn maintenance company uh pretty much similar service area his company was maybe just a little bit smaller than mine at the time um but uh you know struggling with a lot of the um the accounts receivable and the ends of things um you know, people weren't paying him. He was getting screwed out of a lot of money. So, uh, we had kind of, we clicked very fast when he started coming to the meetings. Obviously we have a lot in common. He was looking to get into uh, to real estate. I was already doing some real estate, but we both had this, you know, heavy, uh, you know, lawn service background. Uh, so, you know, we would go over in a corner and talk about lawnmower blades and, and, <laughs> and cutting heights and weed whacker, tr- you know, trimming line. Manly stuff. <laughs> how do you do that? Well, yeah. that's how you do that. Well, that's a good idea. So, I love that talk, by the way. That's, I live for that kind of talk. So I figured who better to be the first one to read my educational product than, than Sean. And Hell so, yeah. so I, you know, I told him what I was doing and I'd already given a lot of uh, uh, a lot of advice and tips along the way, and so he was super interested. You know, reading. I said, "All right, well, here's the here's the deal. I can't give this to you for free. I want you to to proofread it, but you can't proofread it for free because no one appreciates anything for free, right?" Uh, so I said, "You got to give me twenty bucks." So he gives me twenty bucks for my rough copy of this educational product, and he just like 
he eats it up, right? He loves it. He's like calling me up and just saying like, oh, this is genius. This is great. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I learned it all the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it works. So he started, you know, modifying his business and changing things. Um, so, you know, all while this is going on, I'm, I'm having these thoughts of, dear God, I never want to cut another lawn again. Spring's coming one Spring's day closer. <laughs> so then I, I, I just call up Sean and I said, hey, um, uh, you want to buy my business? He's like, yeah. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> Is that really the conversation? You want to buy my business? I bet he would say hell. He probably said hell yeah. <laughs> and then it was pretty much let's talk. And, and then we sat down and we we figured things out. But I had no idea how I was going to go about valuing my company, selling my company. It was it was one of the things keeping me in it because I had no idea how am I going to liquidate this? You know, how am I going to get out of the business in a way that um, put some money in my pocket, but also in a way that kind of uh, uh protects my legacy. I didn't well, want. Yeah, to, you didn't want it to die. I didn't want it to sell it to anyone. I didn't want it to die. So, um, great brand, great URL. Yeah, I mean, we worked out. We worked out a great deal where Sean, where basically, you know, Sean was buying my company, but my company was basically uh, eating his right. Um. That's he, what happened. Yeah, he kept he kept the name, the website, the phone number, all the branding. It's like a merger, and and it was it was very it worked it, it worked out really well for, as far as the customers were concerned. Because the big worry is, you know, he buys my company, and then all my customers are like, "Oh, who's this Sean guy?" You know, we're leaving. Um, you know, that's if he kept you know Sean's yard maintenance as the name, but keeping Grass Bandits as the name, he was my customers really didn't see much of a change. Cause it's still grass bandits cutting their lawn. And as far as his customers were concerned, it was easy cause it was still Sean, you know, uh, yeah. backing everything up. So he was able to tell his customers, Hey, I'm still here. This is I still Sean. I name. just changed names. Yeah. So it worked out great. I mean, I, I think, uh, lost very few customers in the transition. Well, Sean friend too. He really earns his last name. He's a pretty friendly guy. Oh yeah. You yeah. can't. He's the epitome of friendly. Yeah. I don't know how you can't not like him. It's just, it's just not possible. I don't think if you don't like Sean, I don't like you. Put so, it that way. you know, I was, I was pretty heavily motivated to get out of the business. So I, I, uh, it worked out for both of us. I, I, I think I made him a deal that he couldn't pass up, you know, basically no money down. The customers kind of financed the, uh, sale of the business and i I, thank you redford lawn grass hire people (laughs) (laughs) i i you know uh, i i say that and what i mean by that is my my deal with sean was basically that we were going to send out the prepay letters and the prepay money would go to me and he would just have to work it off right sweat equity baby yeah so he didn't have to come up with any money up front and then i also kept all my equipment because uh sean's really cheap he wanted to go buy some beater equipment instead of buying my nice shiny equipment that man could fix anything yeah i swear to god God he could fix anything i fix that so i was able to maximize the sale of the company by by piecemealing all the equipment off one at a time and then i basically just sold the the customer the name and the systems branding to sean and you were free and i was free to pursue real estate full-time to pursue real 100 percent yeah yeah so that was winter of 2011 right Right. So 2011, 2012. So, so 2012. So 2012 was really when we signed the contracts. Everything was finalized. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you come out 
storming the gates of real estate, right? Yeah, so at that same time, so I keep saying that, at that same time, there was a lot going on. Hell yeah, there was. Um, You're running a company and trying to start another one, right? <laughs> right. So I was in the middle of my first two uh, flips. I mean, uh, Virgil was supposed to be a flip, but it ended up being rental. So my first two like legitimate flips that ended up, you know, I, I fixed them up, put them on the market, and they sold. But uh, I was in the middle of them. I hadn't even proven the model to myself yet that I could be a successful flipper. So I'm selling my my business, my safety net, the thing I've uh, everything I've ever known, um, while I'm still floundering through the process of of fixing and flipping my first two properties. And I was worried. <laughs> it was just kind of that uh, you know uh, burn your ships mentality. Absolutely. If 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 I've got if I've got no way to retreat, this will work. It has to work, right? Yeah, you made up your mind. I made up my mind. Yep. Yeah. So some people thought I was crazy, but those are people who can't wouldn't, make up. Wouldn't their be mind. the first time. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm convinced that people who can't make up their mind don't know what to think of people who do. Yeah. And I think that's really what it comes to. like. How did you make up your mind? I don't know. I just did. Though. I just did. <laughs> yeah. I just did. I'm not doing this. I'm doing that, and I'm going to do all right. But I, honestly, it was it was scary. Uh, there was probably three months where I would wake up in the morning and my stomach would literally hurt because like it was stressful, really stressful. Uh, but that feeling in my stomach was was very motivating. I was ah. like, I want this feeling to go away. You know, I'm like, I'm like, am I screwing up everything I've ever known? Is basically, I'd wake up in the morning and ask myself that. <laughs> Reminds me of something uh, Christopher Hitchens said in, in a debate. Um, am I heading for the rocks? A question I ask myself sometimes on a daily basis. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, but sometimes you gotta get close to the rocks to get by, right? Yeah, it is scary. I would say if you're not terrified, there's something really wrong with you. <laughs> like you need to go get yourself checked out. Well, yeah, you you sold your business. You started from your 12. Yeah. You have a young wife, a house you're upside down in, an economy <laughs> that sucks, Yeah, a house you haven't flipped that you had to rent, another one you're working on, and oh, by the way, I just sold my only source of income. Yes. <laughs> That's not designed to make you feel better. That's designed to make you really uncomfortable, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Then you work your way out of it, which is what you had to do. Mm -hmm. So moving on to flips one or two or two or three, depending on how you're counting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when did you know you were going to be okay? Basically, that would be the same time you stopped waking up in the morning with uh, gut rot. <laughs> I know what that's like, too. That was yeah. like I had gut rot from July 2000. Let's see, July 2007 to... I don't know, sometime in like 2012. I got rot for like five years. Mm. It's terrible. Well, I mean, I, I did have some money. Uh, I did have some some cushion from selling the lawn business. The key was I didn't want to use up that money with living expenses because I figured this is this is the perfect opportunity to use this as capital to you know to infuse into my new real estate business. And so I was really um, uh wanted to to make it happen and live only off of the money I was making from flipping. But I was pretty confident going into those first two flips. I had a lot of time at that point to really study uh, the flip model. I mean, you got to keep in mind that at that point I was going to two to three real estate groups a month. Um, I'm asking all kinds of questions. I was taking two to three people to Panera Bread uh, per week to uh, learn all the major players in the game 
to, uh, you know, pick their brain, get mentorship. Um, I mean, I was, I was hitting it hard. So, uh, yeah. And I, I was, uh, also on the flip side, I was talking to, uh, contractors getting, uh, like cost analysis spreadsheets and other things. So by the time I, I, I did this, this, this next first flip, <laughs> the next first flip, <laughs> I was pretty confident it was going to work. Um, uh, that one was, was an interesting story too. Uh, I bought that one at an auction a uh, week of um, the weekend of the 4th of July. So a lot of people were, were going up north, you know, to do their thing on jet skis and four wheelers. And uh, uh, I was home watching this auction property in, in Livonia. And it was just like this small little auction company. We're not talking that. We're not talking about me. these, these big boys. We're not talking about Hudson and Marshall or Williams and Williams or, uh, auction.com a small little company you know it's gonna be auctioned on site just the one house as is no inspection it's like 1940s basically. yeah so did they have a telephone so I, I i showed up and uh no there's probably 20 people there mostly neighbors and and people who are curious but uh i thought for sure it was i thought for sure i was just going for the experience to like watch like how's an auction work but of course, I wasn't going to go unprepared. So I brought my deposit, came ready to bid. And uh, I don't know why. I just thought when you said that, though, a success is when preparation opportunity meet, right? Hmm. You were prepared to do something, even though you, you weren't necessarily going to do something, right? Yeah. So I, I went in. I had gotten, you know, uh, uh, a cost summary of, of a a flip someone else had had recently done in that area, similar type of home. So I could kind of compare and contrast. And so I went in and was pretty comfortable with the rehab numbers, um, just based on observation and analysis, <laughs> not through experience, but, uh, uh, you know, the bidding, the bidding started. And to my surprise, I mean, it started slowing down like in the twenties, I'm looking around like, is this real? Like we're in Livonia. Like this is a nice neighborhood. You're like, oh yeah, I'm going to get this and, thing. And, uh, you know, I start shaking, right? I'm like shaking. I have my little like bitter card in my hand and like my hand just starts going up. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like this, 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 I gotta, I gotta, I gotta have this thing, you know, and I'd done all my math. Uh, I, you know, figured out where I had to be, including their 10% fee that they're going to add on for the buyer's premium. And I was going to stop, uh, at, uh, 40, 47. And so, you know, there's probably five, six actual bidders it starts slowing down the twenties. And then like it hits, we'll say high twenties. And it's just me and this older lady and just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm shaking, you know, every time I put it up and then, you know, she hits 46 and I'm like, this is it. This is it. I got 47, my one last chance. So I put, I put my bidder card up for 47. I look over at her and she's just standing there and she and, quits. Yeah. And she quits. And, and then, you know, the, I don't think he had a hammer, you know, like the hammer didn't strike or anything, but you know, I hear, I hear, you know, going once, going twice, sold to the young man. And I'm just like standing there, just like, I just bought a house. I just bought auction. a house at an auction. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> good thing or a bad thing. Probably a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Good thing. No, I, I, I went on to, uh, make I think about twenty three thousand on that deal. Hell yeah, it's a good so, thing. <clears throat> um, Some people work all year for that. Yeah, absolutely. Before taxes, 
So um, that one worked out. That one worked out great. So that was that deal and another one in Dearborn where the, the I was working on them at the same time, and uh, I was really confident that they were going to go well. They went pretty much as planned, and so I while I was selling my business, I knew that I probably had plus or minus forty grand coming to me, which I knew I could live on for the rest of the year. So, but it doesn't mean it wasn't scary because. There was still a lot of unknowns. Hell yeah. But fortunately, all that hard work, all that research um, paid off. That was when the market was starting to improve slightly, too. But nobody yeah. knew how well it was going to improve either. Right. It's easy to look back and go, yeah, of course you're going to be okay. But that's just not how it played at all. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Just like we don't really know what's going to happen next year either, do we? No. Well, it looks easy when you're looking backwards. So your model which I think is a good model. It's not necessarily your model, but the, the model you adopted mm-hmm. is a model I like. I've actually recommended it to, to several people, especially because how do you really make money long-term? Rentals, right? Correct. Tax advantage, much better. Mm-hmm. Everything's better, right? You get any appreciation. Any appreciation, yeah. Any inflation, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, and then somebody else pays off your loan. Absolutely. Tons of benefits. Tons of benefits, right? But it can be hard to live on a couple hundred bucks a month, right? Yeah, it can be. Or how do you get more money, right? Mm -hmm. So you adopted this, I'm going to flip and I'm going to rent model. Mm -hmm. Which a lot of people don't do. I mean, you either seem to have people who label themselves as I'm a flipper or I'm a wholesaler or I'm a landlord. You know, it seems rare that you get someone who's, who's kind of... Uh, adopting adopting both models but i think you know especially being full-time it was it was necessary for me because i i saw the value in the rentals long term but you're right yeah i couldn't i couldn't live on a few hundred dollars a, a month you know especially starting with only a first few rentals and financing is um, going to be a problem at and, some point in time you, right pretty correct. quick especially with your yeah. ambition so um, while I was still kind of proving that, that model to myself with the, the rentals, like I had to make, I had to make money. And so I was going to be flipping, flipping properties. Um, but I mean, fortunately you don't really have to flip that many to, to make a decent living. I mean, if you, if you can make 20, 25,000 on, on a flip, I can do two a year and be plenty happy. So, yeah. uh, I was very confident I I could make that happen, especially I already had two, you know, two that I had started on. So I was like, as long as I don't screw these up, I'll be fine for this year. And I got a whole year to figure out yeah. how to do at a minimum, just two more. Um, but so you've got, you got your rentals and you, you, you know, you start building those uh, on the side and hopefully they, they start spitting off some cash flow. Um, and then you've got your flips on the other side, which are big checks and they kind of they kind of work hand in hand because, like you said, financing is is always going to be an issue at some point. You're, always, yeah. So, and, and it it got to that point for me. And so to continue in the rental game, I had to be flipping. Yeah, I had to be making those big checks so I could so I could put that that capital back into rentals, whether it was f- because I needed a down payment because I could no longer get a hundred percent financed, or because uh, my financing wouldn't cover the renovation, or um, I was just going to buy a, a, a house or, um, I even bought a few non-performing loans, you know, all cash. So 
Um, I imagine too. I don't think I'm going on stretching on a limb on this. When you flip, you make your lenders feel a lot more secure too, right? Because one of the questions I always got was, well, what are you going to do if it's going to go wrong? Well, you can point to a portfolio. Well, shit, we'll flip it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just flip it. It's going to go wrong. We'll just flip it. Right. Yeah. It's like an extra. Who doesn't like somebody who can get out of something? Right. It's like an eject. (laughs) And it's kind of self-affirming too, because the more flips you do, the better everybody feels about it. Right. Like this guy just gets out of real estate. He's, you know, yeah, he'll, he'll figure it out basically. So that's a good combination. Also, tax-wise, it's a good combination too, right? Because flipping is sucks tax-wise. Yes, yes, it can. Uh, I mean, obviously, I I use Brian, who was just on right not too long ago. Oh yeah, and uh, you know he's he's helped me kind of structure things in a way that's most advantageous for for my business. Uh, you know, usually you're splitting up the the rentals and different different entity than you're than you're doing all your flips in. But yeah, certainly. Yeah, flipping I learned is a lot different. My 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 tax bill was a lot different from when I was cutting grass. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you greedy, nasty flipper ruining the economy. <laughs> yeah. So you decided to get a partner, right? You mm-hmm. and you and the Dundon Mike mm-hmm. work well together. How did you guys decide who was gonna do what? moving forward you have a very unique business because you work together but you work separately too and it's an interesting model obviously don't share anything you're not comfortable sharing sure sure so yeah what i always tell people is we we individually own but but jointly manage so what that means is uh um i own like for instance i own 34 single family homes right now michael owns 19 the ones i own are mine and my llc michael doesn't own any part of them. And the same goes, you know, for, for Mike, he owns those 19 and his own LLC aside from me, I don't own any part of them, but we also, we, we own a property management company together, 50, 50 that manages those 53 homes. And all that, all the management company owns is maybe about a thousand bucks in the checking account to, um, pay for, uh, paper, ink, uh, office supplies. Yeah. Office like that. stuff. Office stuff. Yeah admin stuff. Um, so we decided to do it like that on the front end, um, to, uh, basically with the end in mind, I, I told Mike that, Hey, listen, I already got one wife. I don't need another. Um, <laughs> I feel the same way now. Yeah. I said, and uh, she's way better looking than you too. Don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> You're kind of manly looking, but I've seen his wife. <laughs> Uh, cause I mean, we, we did the first deal together just kind of almost out of necessity, right? It's like he needed me in the way, in the same way I needed him. We were both hungry. We wanted the deal. Um, and through that, we, we learned that we were actually a good, a good pair, right? Um, uh, everything ended up working out well and it's cause he's got certain strengths and I've got certain strengths. And so through that first deal, we were kind of able to, you know, find out the strengths and weaknesses and then. And then uh, build our property management company and divide the labor, you know, looking back at that first deal. Uh, so that's what we did. You know, we get, we it was just a conversation. You know, we just made a big list of 
uh, all the responsibilities that there are that it takes to manage property. And then we just started, you know, saying, oh, Mike would probably be better at this. Jesse would probably be better at this. Mike, Jesse, Mike, Jesse. And so we ended up coming down to, um, uh, you know, I was going to be in charge of acquisitions. Uh, I was going to be in charge of like bookkeeping, banking, all like the organizational type, uh, business part of things. And Mike was going to take care of more like the people aspect of things, tenants, um, uh, marketing, leasing the properties. Uh, he was going to be the one that tenants would call if there was an issue, settle any issues, follow up for non-payment of rent, anything like that. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe Mike just got stuck with those cause I was just better at the other things, but <laughs> we're all better at different things, right? <laughs> no, honestly, uh, Mike, Mike handles that side of the business a lot better. I, I found, I find that the, the further I'm away from like the, in whatever business, the further I am from the, the client, the better I like to hide in the background. Uh, I'd rather be the, the ghost uh, in in the sh- working in the shadows, just making sure everything's uh, working and organized. Business real estate ghost. <laughs> How much? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I say no to such things. Yeah, because that's an interesting arrangement. So, because you guys are partners and you're separate, I like that arrangement. That's yeah. That's so really, it's just it's just a working partnership. Absolutely. Like we don't own like. You know, tomorrow, if this wasn't working out for any, for us, we could just say, all right, we're going to dissolve the, the property management company. Your houses are your houses. My houses are my houses. Yeah, it's really so easy. So we, we, we began yeah. with the end in mind. Um, because again, our, our joke was always like, you know, we don't know, you know, tomorrow one of us could become uh, a heroin addict and, and, and move away to Mexico. And, you know, what does the other person do in that scenario? Well, the other person doesn't have to do anything. Just stranger things have happened. Yeah. Right? Just move on with life. Well, you watch enough car wrecks. You're like, yeah, maybe we should have a plan for this. <laughs> See, basically the way you did it was the opposite of the way I did it. My best friend, Jason came back from the middle East. He said, we need to do real estate. We went mm. to a seminar. I'm like, fuck it. We'll do it. <laughs> I think I made offers like three weeks later. Like I, I did it the exact opposite way. I, I had my first house on our contract in a few months, no idea. I didn't know what after repair value was. I didn't know. I could tell you that's the wrong way to do it. <laughs> if you like a life of pain and mistakes, that's the wrong way to do it. That's a much smarter way to do it. So you saw enough car wrecks. Start with the end in mind. You're always thinking so long term for such yeah, a young man. Well, I had these stories ingrained in my mind. Like my, um, uh, so my uh, my grandpa, uh, my mom's dad. Uh, had a had a business for years and years. He was in the the collision car repair business, and uh, I always heard all kinds of stories from him because he had a partner, didn't work out great, and so that's that was kind of always in the back of my mind about partnerships and his comments about that. And he would they're difficult, when, yeah. When he started, you know, when I started getting older and and getting interested in in business and I had my lawn company, um, he would. Uh, I guess that was kind of like the the voice in my family who had experience you know running a small business and so he would he would uh give me books and resources and you know mentor me a little bit and so i i was always hearing the the nightmare stories of taxes and insurance and partnerships and employees uh from him they're all true too (laughs) and they all suck all right so let's let's talk about what you're doing now 
what you're doing now. Let's kind of go like to a from a bird's eye view mm-hmm. on down. You have financing for the purchase, mm-hmm. and then you purchase and rehab. How do you know which ones you're going to flip? How are you going to know which ones you're going to keep? How long do you keep them with that financing? How do you refi them out? What is your what does your model look like? And I know it's rent, it's kind of like a rinse and repeat kind of thing. Um, what what does that look like? Yeah. So uh, in the last couple last couple of years, um, it's pretty much we got this system going of buying rentals, and uh, I would do that. Uh, we had one one lender primarily who private lender. We would get a house under contract and we would just say, we, we kind of had a model set up with them. Uh, for, for years it was, uh, you know, if, if we could be all in on the property between 40 and 50,000, you know, in our Redford or Oak, Oak Park areas, he would finance it. And that all in means purchase price, closing costs, renovation. Um, all, 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 the all. <clears throat> Not so, the part all. And we really didn't care how we would get to that number, whether it was to buy for 20, rehab for 20, or buy for 37, rehab for three. Um, you know, obviously, you have closing costs in there. This yeah. is quick and dirty math. Uh, so we did that for as long as we could with that lender. Um, you know, it started off, you know, he was willing to do five houses. We did five. We proved that we were faithful with five making payments, then he would do 10 and yeah, why he's not willing more, to do 20. Right? And then he said, you know, I'm willing to do 30 houses with you guys. Um, this guy liked you. Oh yeah. I mean, I remember You're making him a shit ton of money. That's yeah. why. <laughs> this Jesse guy. This guy I, I still these remember guys. the day we were at Panera, me and Mike were meeting with them and he, he told us he would do 30 house for us. Mike physically started choking on his salad. <laughs> <laughs> Only 30? That's what Jesse would have said. Only 30? I was going for 60. So we, we hit the 30 houses, um, but I wanted to keep buying, right? How long did it take you to hit 30 houses? You said a curiosity. We did 30 houses, uh, I don't know, three years. Um, so that's a pretty steady clip. Yeah. I mean, uh, mostly you figure on like a house a month we were doing. We were adding on for, for a good while. Um, so we hit 30, basically 15 for me, 15 for Mike, and I wanted to keep going. Um, so at that, at, at this point, you know, I'm three years into real estate. I've got a couple of good years of, of flipping behind me, a couple of good, good years of, uh, paying uncle Sam. You planned this though too, didn't you? Uh, yeah, in a way, yeah. you know, and so now I know I'm going to look a lot more attractive to a bank. Absolutely. I've, I've got a good credit score. And so. And a great as, track record. Yeah. And so, you know, I had seen this coming, right? He had told us 30. So all, all the while I'm building up to 30, I'm keeping it in the back of my mind. If I want to keep going, there has to be a different plan. So, uh, I, you know, I ended up working it to where, uh, uh, I, I ended up buying a few more with, traditional bank financing and i had this flip money on the side i'd been saving up and i use that for down payment and renovation but even that model can eat up a lot of funds heck yeah because let's say they're let's say they're going to do 80 percent of purchase price and you're buying at uh 50 grand 
So they're going to give you 40, but they're still going to gobble up some more in their fees, right? Yeah. So it's 10 plus closing costs. <clears throat> yeah. So I have to bring 10 and then let's say, I, you know, let's say this is a bigger house. So I'm going to be on for 60 and I have to put in another 10, you know, to fix this place up. And I was like, that was 20 grand. That's a big chunk. That's like one flip to get this one more rental. So well, that's one, that's probably more like a flip and a half after taxes. Right? Well, right. So, yeah. so I do that a couple times when I'm like, shoot, this is eating up my flip money pretty fast. Uh, so I end up working an arrangement, reworking an arrangement with, with that same lender. And at the time I, I bring on another lender to where basically I, I kind of have more flexible funds. Like I'll bring them in to fund a hundred percent uh, for the purchase and renovation. Uh, so the hope is I buy right, I renovate smart, and then I can refinance uh, after the six to 12 months of seasoning that the that the bank wants. I can pull out all the money because they're going to, at that point, they're going to allow me to you know do a, do a refi at 70, 75% LTV, loan to value. So... Uh, I did that a bunch. I went to the uh, credit union. It's funny how I, I, the way I found out I could get conventional financing is another story too. I'd gone to the credit union. This is after I, I read some, you know, crazy um, educational product on, on buying homes directly from the banks. So I'm like, this sounds sweet, right? You know, how many, how many times have you heard that, right? Oh, just buy directly oh, yeah. from the banks. So like there's somebody at the bank just selling houses, right? So, but I was convinced I was like, I can do this. So, uh, you know, I, I hop on the public records and I start just researching like crazy. I'm like, the only, the only way this will happen is if I find like a small banker credit union, right? Where I can talk to an actual human being. Yeah. So I get a list of all the small banks and credit unions. It's really like a Google search. It's crazy. I I just typed in (laughs) credit unions and small banks. I got this huge list and I just started searching one by one through public records data to find their holdings. And uh, at that time, there was a credit union that had quite a bit in the area that I bought in. So uh, I went into one of the branches, figured out who I had to talk to, and they just had a, you know an asset uh, manager who had that role. You know, it was a medium-sized credit union. I am talking to her, and we negotiate a deal on a great house in Redford. Um, and uh, as I'm... As I'm negotiating the price, I I throw in there because they want a little bit more. So I say, well, if you finance it for me, I'll pay that amount. Ooh. <laughs> you pony up the money. So they they ended up I they ended up giving me the house. They pretty much just gave me the house, right? Because okay, yeah, because I I'm I just signed that I'm willing to make the monthly payments, right? Uh, I mean, I had to put some down and put the money into it, but. Uh, it worked. I bought a house directly from a, from a credit union and, and got them to finance it. Yeah. At 5%, 5% for 20 years. And then after that deal, I said, Hey guys, uh, we can do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've been making my payments for a few months. I'm a nice guy. Yeah. You want to finance some more? So I ended up doing up to the, the maximum, you know, the, uh, you can have up to 10 or at least at that time, I don't know what it is right now, you know, Freddie Fannie back loans and my personal residence being one of them. So I, I did up to nine loans with them and, uh, I got phenomenal rates. I mean, they're all set up now for like 15, I did most of them at 15 years 
at like three and a half percent. Yeah, that's great. One of my houses, they uh, they sent me the documents and it said three percent, just three percent. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have to close this thing right now. Like, yeah. where do I sign? <laughs> You're giving me three percent money. I closed it already on, on an I investment. It. <laughs> on an investment. I don't uh, need to see the rest of the paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It so. is amazing, actually. We live in a very interesting time with interest rates yeah so artificially low it's it's fun so you you all your stuff's at 15 years or 15 to 20 the years? ones that i did through them yeah yeah so that's excellent 15 years you're paying off your your interest way faster and paying a lot less too yeah yeah because i figured like 30 years is a long time long time long time i mean i bought the house is cheap enough even at 15 years the monthly payments aren't that much especially at three and a half percent yeah most of them are at so let's just do this in 15 years. I still won't be that old, you know, after 15 years and I'll, th- I'll be thanking myself and you know, the alternative being having to wait another 15 years for their free and clear. It's not that much more. No, it wasn't. Really. No, I was surprised. So I ended up, I ended up liking that. It got me the lower interest rate, uh, which is fun to brag about. Right. Well, and a relationship with the bank, right? <laughs> And, and a relationship with the bank. So that's um, got to be always thinking of the future. I don't see how that hurts. So a couple of those were purchases, but most of them were, re, were refinances. You know, yeah. I, I just, I purchased with the private money, you know, paying 10, 12%, which I was fine with knowing that six months later I'd refi. And in some scenarios, um, I would pay off the investor and get cash back. Oh, and get the three and a half percent. Damn. So pretty sweet. That's an excellent deal. Yeah. So let me make sure I understand this. You have private financing mm-hmm. that you use at a certain interest rate, probably double digit, right? Yeah. Most of the time. Most of it. You may have to put a down payment down, which you get from your flipping business, right? Your flipping business also provides good 1099 income mm-hmm. for your taxes, which you then take to the bank with a history of flipping and tenants making payments and all that to refinance your original position or positions out in which you can go rinse and repeat again. Correct. Correct. That will work for as long as you can refinance out, which is probably a long time with your track record, right? Yeah. So I hit that max with the credit union. So now I have to go to a portfolio lender, right? Um, and the way I went about doing that, uh, I, I just thought back, to how I found the other credit union. Well, it was through searching, searching the public records, but I, but I thought back to like, you know, what, what's, what's this credit union like? How big are they? What are they doing? How are they behaving? Um, cause you know, they were very willing to loan money, but I'd kind of maxed out with them. So I, I, I needed to find another credit union that was like them that was willing to do portfolio loans, you know, loans that were not gonna be sold on the secondary market. And so, you know, at that at that time, uh, I'm thinking because Vibe Credit Union was the one who who loaned all that money. Uh, those those nine, I'm like, okay, they're they're a medium sized credit union, um, and they are actively advertising uh, all over the place. Um, like, I, they want business. They want business. Yeah. So, I figure. You're like a bank detective. Because, <laughs> you know, the first thing I did, again, was go to a list of credit unions. My first thought was, I'm going to start just cold calling them, see who's portfolio lending. But then, as I'm sitting there, you know, on my 
Pandora or Spotify radio, I'm listening and there's like two, two credit unions that keep playing over and over again. I'm like, these are, are, you know, exhibiting this, these credit unions are exhibiting the same behavior as vibe credit union is, you know, they're obviously hungry. They're looking to loan money. So I'm going to start with these medium sized credit unions. They're not, they're not too small and they're not too big, right? They're, they're just the right size where I can still have like a personal relationship with someone at the bank. I can get to know them and, uh, I can tell that they're, they're hungry. So, um, I quickly, I quickly toss the list aside and call <laughs> those two banks and hit on the first one right away, right away. Yeah. yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. So, uh, right now, I mean the deal, it's not as good, you know, going with the portfolio lending, it's like 5% interest, Oh no. 20 years. The worst part about it is five-year balloon. So every five years, I'm going to have to refi with them or get an extension. That's more like a commercial loan, right? It is a commercial loan. Yeah. Yeah. They, I'm they dealing with their commercial loan department. five to seven years generally because they, they don't want that much money out at a certain interest rate, right? Right. Right. Yeah. That's still pretty – it's pretty impressive what you put together. Now, you decided – Oh no, I want to dominate the flip game, the rental game and the wholesale game. Right. So at some point you're like, yeah, I want to do some of these wholesales. Right. And I already had your uh, wholesale partner on. Yeah. Ron. Ron. How did that start? How did that happen? So that really started, uh, because this, this business real estate, it all starts with real estate, right? You can't, you can't have a deal. You can't have anything. Everything is just, you know, sp- spreadsheets and hanging around drinking coffee at real estate meetings, unless you actually have a deal, right? Yeah. Unless you get something under contract. Uh, so about, what was it? Probably 2013, you know, it it got a lot more difficult to find houses on the MLS because 2010 through 2013, primarily everything I got, most everything I got, I'll say, was on the MLS. It was easy too. It was easy. It was great. Yeah, we will look back at this time like it was like free pudding every night. Basically, uh, you could go out, you could step out of your door every day, go look at ten properties, offer on the five that you liked, and get one or two of them every time. Every time. Why would you see that? Why would you do anything else when it was that easy? Why would you do anything? You else? wouldn't. Yeah. But that changed. So it just, you know, and as it, as it, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012 were pretty easy like that. 2013, you really started to feel that pressure, all the competition, you know, it, it didn't take forever for people to realize that, Hey, there's, this is crazy opportunity. I cannot buy, I cannot buy a new car for the, you know, for what some of these houses are going for. It's it just, insane. it's insane, it right? Was. It's insane. I get an entire house with a basement and a garage fully functional for, you know, 32 grand. A fraction of what it would cost to build today using slave labor. It's insane. You so, just, yeah, it, it to- only took so long. So, I mean, people started just flooding in. And really, the moment that hit me was when I was, you know, because I did the, 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 the whole double dip routine with the listing with the listing agent that worked, uh, you know, it worked right. Yeah. For like just, two years. It oh, just, really well. Yeah. Yeah. Just perfect method. Why come up with something, something else when you can just copy a, a great strategy, a great tactic that's worked. Uh, so I did that. 
uh, for as long as I could. And then, I, you know, it's, let's say it's 2013. I'm calling on a house that I, you know, I, I'd like to buy to flip in Livonia. And I'm talking to the listing agent directly doing my little script, you know, you'll get both sides of the commission, um, blah, 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 cash buyer. And she tells me that she has 38 offers. Oh my God. Already. Yeah. Times have changed. There's, there's a point at which it's just, it's just not effective anymore. (laughs) And how many of those 38 are, you know, know the double dip routine, a few of them for sure. At least if I'm the craziest guy out of 38, I don't think I can make any money. So that's when, I mean, I'd already seen it coming and I had already been doing some direct mail marketing, um, you know, started in 2011 probably. But that's when I really realized, like, this is, this is just getting insane. I need, I need a consistent way to find properties for myself without, uh, this whole rat, rat race routine where I'm spending 10, 15 hours of my week in, in my car, going to properties, checking them out, making offers only to battle against you know, 10 other guys doing the same thing. Yeah. It gets old, especially when you offers stop getting accepted. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Then it gets, brings it to a point real quick. Doesn't it? Yeah. Like, Holy shit. I need to do something else. So you're like, Hey, I'm getting in this wholesale biz. Yo. Yeah. So, uh, that happened really as a result of just my, my normal take people out to eat, keep in touch with people, make sure I'm, you know, Work your power base. Right. Yeah. So I I had gone out to lunch with uh, Ron and uh, we had recently done a deal in Royal Oak. He um, he had wholesaled it to uh, to me, ended up doing really well on that flip. So I said, you know, I should check in with Ron to see what he's doing, kind of cultivate that relationship a little bit more. So we went and grabbed uh, grabbed some food and. He was basically at a point where, you know, he was still trying to build up his investment side of the business. I mean, he was on here, you know, he came from the, the, the REO background, sold more houses than I might ever in my lifetime. Due to sold some houses. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So, you know, he's trying to figure out this marketing piece because, you know, he's, he'll be the first one to admit he just hates the marketing side of it. He just wants to pick up the phone, work deals, and he's fantastic at it. Right. So, um, I said, well, you know, we could probably, we could probably work something out, you know, cause here's my problem is I'm doing too much. I'm, I'm running around trying to wear a dozen different hats, do everything myself. Um, and, uh, you're, you're probably better at the whole seller negotiation, you know, meeting side of things anyways. Yeah. Leverage 30 plus years of experience in thousands of houses, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, why don't Big we, crowbar. yeah, why don't we work together? Um, I, you know, I'll start helping out with the marketing, sending you leads. And then, um, you know, basically I'll get first right refusal on anything that comes through to feed my pipeline. And then anything that I don't want, you can, you can wholesale. And that's where I was missing out on a lot of opportunity when I was doing it was I didn't have an outlet for the houses I didn't like. Cause I view houses in a certain way. I have a certain lens, you know, and if they don't fit into my rental model or my flip model, they get tossed. They get tossed. Yeah. 
So this is an inventory problem that you need a solution this for. This is an inventory problem that I need a solution for. It was not really about wholesaling yeah. houses to make money. I'm like, like I need inventory, <laughs> yeah. and why am I not making money on these leads? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So um, that's kind of how, how that came came to be. And so um, really this last year has been uh, a big restructuring of, of everything, including – you know, working with Ron, we, we've got a little over a year under our belts together. Um, and that's just, you know, been a year of like, you know, figuring out how to work together, um, uh, learning the marketing side of the business more, which I'm, you know, still learning. There's so much to it. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's the wholesaling piece of it. It really, yeah, it, I never had the idea in my mind of like, I want to be a wholesaler. It's like, no, I want property still. <laughs> you got to fill your pipeline. I got to fill my pipeline. Yeah. yeah. You got, you have a model to follow and it was starting to dry up. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, I'm constantly juggling, uh, houses, money, contractors, people, you know, it's just this constant balancing act, you know, and it's, uh, you know, you could always complain about something. Oh, I have, I don't have enough houses or I don't have enough money or I have too many of this or too much of that. So, uh, it's a tough you know, business. Yeah. I really saw, you know, uh, I, I feared just the, everything was going to be drying up, you know, if the MLS is gone. So I needed to, to have another, have another source. Not to go off too much on a tangent, but I think let's go back to your, your rentals. Cause you brought it up and I didn't forget about it. I just, I really like where we were going, so we blew past it. So let's circle back and get it. You do have a very particular house you buy, where you buy it, how you buy it, how you rehab it, and who you rent it to. Hmm. And let's take some time to walk through that because I think that's a much smarter way to do rentals than most people approach rentals, which is I'll just do deals wherever I get deals. The numbers look good. I'll do it. You had a plan for the for the whole thing. I don't know if you had it from the beginning, but you quickly developed a plan. Hmm. What is the Boyd, Dundon, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> Levi, future Boyd? Uh, what, what what is the Boyd rental model way look like, and how do you manage it? So Mike and I have a saying, <clears throat> and it's uh, great properties attract great people. Uh, we want great people in our rentals. Uh, great people are going to be people who pay their rent on time who take care of the home, uh, who want to stay for a long time. Uh, and are just generally good people to, to deal with, you know, uh, they're not going to be unreasonable or, um, uh, call about, uh, little petty stuff. So, uh, that's kind of, what kind of start with the end in mind again, right? Yeah. I'm seeing yeah. A I mean, here. it didn't, it certainly, you know, our first house wasn't, you know, <laughs> we didn't start there, but that's, that's kind of developed over oh, time, yeah. you know, probably about, uh, you know, halfway through, we really, we really started improving the properties to a greater degree because I mean, people have options, right? We're not the only houses out there. We're not the only rental houses. I mean, Redford has become, uh, uh, a rental community. Uh, there's, I forget the numbers. I've, I've been told a couple times by the inspectors, but vast number of rentals well, in that, Redford. And that's, that's where most of our, our, our rentals are. So cash market, that's what happens in a cash market, right? Exactly. So p- part of our 
part of the way that we do things is stems from uh, my lawn service days, building route density. That's extremely important for uh, anyone in the service industry is you need, uh, you know, your stops in the, in a day, if you're going to hit 20 to 30 houses in a day, you need them all to be really tight and clustered to make money. Uh, cause every time you're sitting in the truck driving, you're not making money, you're not making money, you're, you're, you're money. spending money. Yeah. So and just kind of that, that same mentality, um, kind of carried over in, into real estate, uh, for me and, Clustering houses, having them in a tight area means you can really become the expert in that area almost street by street. And uh, it makes it easier to service those houses. It makes it easier when it comes to uh, dealing with your city or township on those houses. You know, I can I can batch work together anytime anything needs to happen. Uh, I can batch work for my for my handyman. I can do six rental inspections in one day. Um and again, I can just become um, kind of like the expert in our little area. Uh, so it makes makes things a lot easier to manage. So we, we kind of started with that mentality. Uh, you know, 40, we'll say, I don't know, 45 of the 53 houses are in Redford. Most most of them are in South Redford within, you know, you can get from the front front door of one property to the front door of any other property and two minutes or less <laughs> really tightly, tightly clustered. Um, and then, so going back to the great properties attract great people, you know, we believe that whatever level you, you renovate and maintain your rental at is, is the type of person you're going to attract almost like the, almost like the thing where, uh, you know, dog owners and their dogs kind of look, look alike. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of look like a pit bull. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I might be, sir. Yeah. I could be a little ornery when the time is right. You know, if, if, if you got a, a two bedroom, uh, house on a crawl space with no garage in Inkster, uh, and you're renting it for 600 or 650 a month, you can only imagine the type of tenant you're going to get. Yeah, not good ones, by the way. I've seen a lot of Inkster now. <laughs> um, you know, I'll sell it, but I'm always wondering. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so our our model is to buy, you know, just a very uh, traditional style three bedroom, uh, two bath home with a basement and garage uh, of a certain number of square feet. I might add. We You're really started. We really started targeting square feet probably um, two two and a half years ago, about halfway in. You know what? What I found was if you if you get picky, you can usually pay about the same for a house that's maybe eleven, twelve, or thirteen hundred square feet as you can for one that's nine fifty or a thousand square feet. If you're if you really take your time to sift through and you get picky. Um, and it, it doesn't seem like, uh, it's necessarily a big deal to, and it's not to me as the investor. I, you know, I don't care, but the tenant cares, cares you know, a lot, right? a lot, a lot. I mean, you think when you walk into a home and cause again, I'm not the only house out there. There's plenty of competitors offering houses. I want to be the best house because the best qualified tenants are going to have, they're going to in theory, they should be able to qualify for any home, right? 
they have cream rises to the top, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah they, and I you want to be at the top, and I want to be at the top. I want the the best tenants to be able to uh, to be picking my my houses. Let those Inkster people get the way. You went to cream, right? Right. So, you know they're they're gonna they're gonna definitely notice when you know they walk in and my house may be up for rent for eleven hundred, and the one uh, two blocks away is up for eleven hundred a month, but my house is is twenty percent larger. I mean, an extra 200 square feet is a big deal to your tenants. And then another thing we like to do is uh, two full bathrooms. I feel like uh, the houses rent for a little bit more. They rent Absolutely. faster yeah. with two full bathrooms. Uh, we actually put them in if there is not a second bath. So oftentimes we'll put them in the basement. This last year, I even put one. I built a dormer on a bungalow to put a bathroom in. <laughs> that's how much. Two I, bathrooms, damn it. That's how much uh, I like it. I don't know. I, I don't have a, a spreadsheet or a complicated algorithm to tell me, you know, exactly what my ROI is on that. Modern family, basically, right? But, yeah. These houses are built in like the 30s, 40s, <clears> 50s. People don't want to share one bathroom or a half bath. Yeah, right? but I mean, if that bathroom gets me twenty five or fifty dollars extra per month, I mean, over time that's going to pay off big. I can put a bathroom in a basement for about four thousand full bath, you know, stand up shower and everything. Um, and you know, if if that house rents two weeks faster, I mean, that's already if it was a eleven hundred dollar a month rental, that's already five hundred and fifty dollars that that bathroom's paid me back. And then if I'm getting the extra 25 or 50 bucks a month, you can kind of see how this adds up quickly. Um, and then it's just the type of house that someone wants to stay in longer. I mean, you don't want to give people reasons to move. If they're complaining, oh, you know, they, uh, I only have one bathroom and they, they start to get annoyed with that or their family grows and, you know, they're looking to move out of your 3-1 uh, because there's only one bath. And they're looking to move to my 3-2 does seem silly when you say it like that it's only four thousand dollars from a second bathroom i mean that's like that's like nothing is there no studs no nothing that's how I've, that's so how much i've paid less for a, a lot, lot of, of times right yeah because sometimes there's something there like an old remnants of a an old junky bathroom or just like a little closet with a toilet in it or you know i've seen everything <laughs> um but that's like you know busting up busting up the concrete, laying in the new PVC, hooking it up to the existing pipes, running the supply lines. I mean everything from from a blank space in the corner to fully plumbed, fully lit tile on the floor, nice you know stand up shower, new vanity, running water, everything. Three bedrooms, two bathrooms, basement, twelve hundred square feet or more. Yeah. No, I mean, density uh, yeah. as close as possible and the area. Something you haven't talked about that you've talked about before was um, modern layout as well. Yeah. So, again, uh, this is something the last year and a half we've been pushing for. Uh, lately, I was buying, I was preferring houses that were heavily beat up, heavily neglected, so I could just go in and remodel them uh, the way I wanted. So I, I didn't mind that the kitchen was trashed because I wanted to blow out walls, put in a brand new kitchen, uh, take that opportunity to have the walls open, get rid of all the old galvanized plumbing, uh, put in the PVC, and do everything right the first time. 
Well, yeah, you don't want to pay for a kitchen you're going to destroy, basically, right? right. Yeah, well, I'm not paying for that. But, I mean, it's simple. Out. I mean, renters want the same things buyers want. They're not any different. They're just, they are just they just don't have down uh, the payment. They don't have the down payment <laughs> or the credit score. Yep. But their desires are the same. You know, so we want to deliver a house that that is what they want, you know, not not hoping that we can we can get someone who will accept, you know, the house that we provide. We really want to deliver something beautiful to the marketplace. I also noticed too it allows you to kind of have like a, a standard operating procedure when it comes to rehabbing houses. Just like everything just gets done the same, right? Yeah. More or less. Yeah. Once you, once you kind of get a contractor trained in the way you do things, like I don't have to make decisions on stuff because he just knows like, this is the tile we use. These are the light fixtures we use. These are the doorknobs we use. Um, <clears throat> just kind of standardize everything. And we have, uh, we have a lot of checklists. Uh, I love lists. <laughs> they speak to my soul. <laughs> <laughs> I think standard operating procedures really they really are the difference between the amateur and the professional hmm. i think because you can't standardize it what are you doing it's not a it's not a cycle then is it yeah it's something new every time if you have a standard operating procedure you get a system if you have a system you have a business maybe my thinking is wrong in that but i think i'm right on that yeah so a lot of what we do comes from um uh, mike butler's landlording on autopilot um he's uh pretty well known um the the book is is awesome and uh, we bought his course uh and just kind of adapted his principles to our business a lot of his checklists and things just kind of made it michigan friendly and you know friendly to what we want to do um but pretty much checklist for everything what checklist do you have just off the top of your head you don't have to you know, don't, you don't have to tell me what's on the list or whatever, but I just imagine you have like a checklist. You have a checklist for getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> uh, are we still talking about rentals or are we talking more general? It could be any checklist, but it rentals, I mean, real estate related, business related is good, but I, I like this idea of, I just actually, it's funny you said this Friday, I created a checklist. Mm. I actually thought of you. I'm like, Oh, Jesse would love this shit. I was looking at your checklist for everything you have in your car. He's like, you know, I should have a checklist for the shit I actually have to get done every day. Yeah. If I don't do it, I'm not advancing my goals. <clears throat> so I just put together a checklist and I pinned it up right next to me because I was looking at your checklist that I still have. From oh, that's funny. Yeah. When you came, I was looking at that checklist, which, by the way, I now have some of that stuff in my car. Thank oh, it's you. so helpful. It is. <clears throat> yeah. So what, really he's, is. what he's referring to is I have what we call our car kit. And this is another thing that I developed uh, back in the Grass Bandit days is um, – you know, I realized we'd be out there cutting grass or my guys would be out there cutting grass. And then like, oh, something happened. Like we need X, Y, or Z. You know, we need more trimmer line or we could really use some scissors or a lighter or a spare fuse or some duct tape or, you know, whatever. It's kind of like a MacGyver kit, right? Like you're, oh, something happened. Like, things go wrong all the time. <laughs> but But really things go wrong. But when you really stop to think about it, the same things really go wrong over time. They do. It's, you know, when you, when, if you were to track it, it's like, you know, the same 12 things are coming up all the time. So I just, when it came to my lawn business, I just developed a checklist of things that we were always going to carry in our car. Some of those are in the truck. Some of those were, um, for us to be D, uh, DOT compliant. Um, uh, but a lot of them were just, so we would have something for, most any scenario 
Um, <clears throat> so I, I took that uh, real estate. So I, basic stuff I carry in my car, like gloves. You not you you cannot imagine when your morning starts where you might end up in real estate later that evening that you had no idea you were going to be, and you are going to want some gloves because there's always like something that you really don't want to touch. <laughs> Something's like growing so some true. fuzz, you know, something white and fuzzy. And you're like, I don't know what this is. I'm not touching it though. But <laughs> it has to be moved or <laughs> get out of the way, you know, or poke it with a stick, poke it with a stick, you know? Ugh. Uh, yeah. Examples would be moldy things. Uh, uh, found a, what was there? It was like a, a raccoon under a, a, a deck of one of our properties that had like, uh, all of these, uh, maggots like spewing out of its oh, yeah. belly i'm not um, touching that <laughs> yeah uh other scenarios i i have um one of my rentals is a is an adult foster care um home and the drain backed up a couple oh. times we're talking sewage not storm water that's not good and the um uh the uh the floor drain was placed in the highest spot in the basement not the lowest so it's kind of like when Ugh. it came out it's kind of like a volcano of sewage you know it just like spews out the top then like sloshes Ugh. down so like know. a volcano yeah <laughs> it just goes all the corners so just you know things all the time where you where you need uh like i said just basic stuff tape a lighter for uh a, a furnace or a hot water tank that goes out uh a sticky note pen to write a contract or a quick note um, I don't know. One of, one of, you know, 20 things I carry in my car, bolt cutters. You never bolt know. Cutters. You might have to drive 30 minutes to a property just to find out that there's like a padlock on a garage that you have to get into. And like, ah, oh, I drove 30 minutes. What the heck? <laughs> I have to get in. It's getting cut. It's yeah. getting cut. You know, uh, step ladder, uh, flashlight, just step ladder is a good one. Yeah. So I, Do you yeah, use I that for a, having to jump in the window so you don't have to jump anymore? Middle age creeping up on you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So all of that. I mean, you use this stuff all the time. But anyways, going back to checklists. Yeah, we we try to have checklists for everything. If if a problem keeps coming up, a, a process or a system of checklist needs to address it. So for rentals, I know you follow the the Mike Butler kind of thing. I like where you're going to going with it too. You want the best renter. So you, you mm-hmm. have the best house. Is there anything else you do that differentiates you in the market? Um, as a landlord, at least for most people listening, they're probably landlords too. Mm-hmm. Um, any recommendations or I, I did see you sitting down with castle. You were very excited to see. Um, I think I'm very intrigued, uh, about what they're doing primarily. Um, the way they're building systems and their software, around the property management is something that I see is still greatly lacking in our industry. It's like, it's like it's it's, it's almost 2016. What is going on? Why can't I find uh, a property management software that works? I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't get it. I, I spent way too much time this year researching different property management software and all of them came up lacking uh, they all suck a lot in, in not just in a little ways. bit. They suck a lot. Like, yeah, sure. They, they work, but uh, man, there's so much room for improvement. So those guys, I think, uh, are onto something. If they can really fill that need, uh, and really hit the nail on the head, they're going to do well because companies that have been at this for like 
How long has property wear been around? Oh God, property wear sucks so bad. Apparently they just they just launched a new uh uh user interface property wear, but even still, you know, I I did all these demos and just was kind of came up disappointed with all the different uh the major property uh software providers. Ripe for disruption, as I say. Right. But so, you are correct. Why are we living? We're living like an 18th century real estate. <laughs> I don't get it. Not really. We're living in like late 90s real estate. And everything else, not everything else, many things have been yanked into the 21st century. But for whatever reason, real estate is not there. It is interesting, right? Yeah. So that's what you were, that was your big, uh, you're like, hey, sell to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we're, uh, we're meeting with them later this week. I, I don't know. Uh, again, I just kind of meet with people to find out more about them to see where synergy may be, whether we'll probably, we'll probably hire them to do one property, um, just to see how that goes. If anything, we'll just shamelessly steal great ideas and secrets from them if we have to, but as, as every good investor should, right? <laughs> it's called learning. It's called learning. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why we recreate any, recreate anything that you can copy, but, um, I don't know if they're, if they're awesome, we might shift more of our properties over to them. I think they're pretty awesome. What does the future of Boyd look like? What are you working on? Uh, how do you look into the future? So, I mean, the last 12 months has just been a, a giant period of restructuring for me. A lot of that brought on by starting a family. Uh, Another so, one on the way too. Congratulations. Yeah. I can't believe it. I mean, what happened? I, he's, well, I just had do you one. need me to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> I have a good idea what happened. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay, but, I won't. Uh, I'm pretty sure you were there. <clears throat> yeah, he's uh, Levi's already 18 months old. That is um, crazy. It seemed like it was just yesterday. I mean, for the first, because I, I, I was really scared of how having a child is going to affect everything, uh, particularly working from home. Like, am I still going to be able to function? You know. Um, obviously super excited about it. I feel like I was put on this planet to, uh, to have children and to be a good father. Um, but still very scared of it, but really, I mean, the first six months is like maintenance. Those things pop out and they're like, they're so helpless and useless and they can't do anything. (laughs) So like poop, right? Six months by, I was like, this is easy. You know, Dana pretty much takes care of the thing. She (laughs) feeds them. I changed, you know, the, the diaper every now and then, but he just he eats and sleeps and poops. Like, what's the big deal? Then they start moving. Then they start moving. Good what God. the heck? What? Monsters. So, so really, you know, it's been like a year of movement. You know, he's, he's, he, every day he gets more capable. And, um, you know, now we found out we got another one on the way. And so, uh, again, I'm seeing need for, for big change. Uh, <clears throat> I, I usually have a, a pretty good. Uh, I can I can envision the future a couple of years out pretty well. And, yeah, and wait till they can ride a bike. <laughs> then you're really in trouble. <laughs> so, they can really move. <laughs> so this last twelve months has been pretty much all about uh, growing a family and how my business fits into that. You know, for so long, uh, all my hard work and striving and building a business, uh, I didn't know really know why I was doing it. It was just like. This is why, right? It was just, uh, you know, how much money can I make? You know, I want to be wealthy. I want to be successful. Um, I want to build something um, that's meaningful. Uh, and it's fun, right? It's fun uh, every day to, to get up in the morning and just take on the world and 
build a company. But uh, really, it was uh, just it's been crazy just seeing seeing Levi grow and seeing him develop, and it's been awesome to have the flexibility that my business has has given me to be around to to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner with, with my family, with, with, uh, Dana and Levi almost every day, I can carve out that little time to stop work. Maybe just play around with them for five, 10 minutes, give Dana a little bit of break. We can stop, we can have a meal together, uh, which is really cool. Cause you know, who can, who, what other job gives you that ability? Not many. No. So not too many jobs in general, extremely, extremely blessed, but I'm really, it's made me rethink a lot of things, rethink my business, rethink um, the future, and I want to be around as much as possible, basically. Absolutely. I don't want to blink, and my son's gone in college. So uh, I want to be as big a part of his life and, and however many children we're going to have, their lives, and uh, everything is is shifting towards – what do I have to do to to be more efficient, to be more effective with with my time? Because you know, I still am who I am. Like I love building a business, I love uh, making money, and you know, all that stuff. But uh, basically, it comes down to focus. Like you have to you have to choose your battles. You have to say no to more things than you say yes to, and. Uh, so 12 months of kind of restructuring my business. Part of that has been my relationship with Ron. So now I don't go look at houses. I don't look at the MLS except to run comps. And I don't meet with sellers. I just wait for the phone to ring and Ron says, I got one or an email comes in. I got one. Um, the other way I get properties is networking with wholesalers and other people. I, so I'm, I'm doing more farming which you like then i love farming then uh you know you did start uh, hunting and hunting and gathering yeah so it's really been cultivating relationships and, and building systems that that bring things to me is is the idea because if i'm not spending spending time uh chasing deals i just do the right things to attract deals to attract people to attract money then i can spend uh you know, more time at home. I want to do what I'm starting to call pajama pants investing. <laughs> so if I can do it, pajama, pajama pants, investing.com. Go there now. 1495. Actually, that's not, that's not for a little while. So, you know, if, if I can do, if I can do something from, uh, while wearing pajama pants inside of the comfort of my home, that's the part of investing I want to do. So what can I do? I can do the marketing. I can do the financing. I can do like the business systems and organization part of real estate from, uh, from my house. And that ultimately gives me the most freedom and flexibility. And I mean, I can, I can even do those things you know, basically anywhere there's a computer and a phone. So I'm, I'm trying to take, I'm trying to take the real estate out of real estate. No, <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, in a way, in a way, right. I only want to go to a property if, if, uh, I know that I have a very high, uh, chance of making money off of it. So if, or if you want to, right, right, right. So, you know, these are the types of phone calls I want. I want someone to call me, whether it's Ron, whether it's you, whether it's Steve and say, 
Jesse, I just got a property under contract. You're the first person I'm calling. That is what I want. And somebody might go to ibuymihomes.com if they wanted to do that, right? Yeah. I know you don't want me to do that. <laughs> do anyway, just once. Uh, so very, you just, that, cause that was going to be my question. What are you changing to maximize your flexibility and freedom in your business is basically getting rid of travel. Yeah. I'm trying to get rid of travel. So, uh, it is dead time from place to place, right? Yeah. Somebody else can travel for you. That's the nice thing about having a little bit of money. So I'm trying to get rid of travel and the other big killer of time and producer of stress uh, for me has been project management. Um, so the other thing I'm launching this year is actually right now uh, I'm working now doing partnerships on flips like deal by deal type partnerships where um, the idea is I bring the deal, I bring the money and then I partner with someone who's going to handle the renovation A to Z. So I'm kind of working with existing experienced rehabbers that I don't have to train. I don't have to coach. They know what they're doing. They're actually in some ways probably going to be better at it than I am because they're more focused. They're more passionate about it. Um, and then the goal is <clears throat> what I say is I don't want to come back to this house until it's beautiful and ready for pictures. Um, so again, one less thing that I'm not going out checking on this property. I'm not taking phone calls from contractors. Um, you know, delegating all of that to one person. And then we just, we split the deal. So <clears throat> again, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing less. If I can focus on, uh, isn't that like a, I call that like a Bob Norton kind of style deal. Right. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he wasn't the one who thought of it either. You know, like I'll put up the money, Actually, he was a little bit. You so you find the deal too. Uh, in in some circumstances, yes, I'll find the deal. Oh, okay. If if people also want to bring a deal to me, absolutely, you know, you they'll it, right? they'll get a little bit. They'll get a bigger piece of the pie. But if it's if it's my deal, then I can really set the terms I want to do business at. Absolutely, right, because yeah. again, you have nothing until you have a deal. So if I bring the deal then I can say, these are the terms I want to, if you want to do this deal. I mean, as a rehabber, I mean, think if I were to think back, you know, three years ago and someone approached me and they're like, here's the deal and here's the money. Hell this is yeah. The split. I'm never going to say no to that. Right. No, no. Just apply, apply hustle, you know, apply work, make money because that's the hard part as a rehabber. You're trying to, you're trying to, uh, manage all these contractors, uh, pick out all these materials, get everything done all while you're hunting for properties, all while you're trying to figure out the financing piece of it. Uh, so if I can kind of package that together, you know, I can make money on, uh, on the, the house on the wholesale side. Cause I, if I'm the wholesaler and the buyer, I can put a little spread in there for myself. Cause I have fee, you know, I have costs on the wholesale yeah, side. Absolutely. Too. Some vertical integration too. So I can do that. And then I'm the lender. Um, uh, and then I can also, I'm still figuring this out. If I, I think I'm, I'm trying to get rid of listing too. I don't want to do listings, but I, I do have that ability to, to list, list the home too, if I want, but basically cut out the prop, the property, the project management portion of it. So really my, my list of things, my goals for 2016, and this is like, a, I don't know, I got a, a Jim Collins article that's, that's talks about this. It's basically your goals should include what you want to do, but 
just as importantly, they should include things you don't want to do. Absolutely. Like I am never going to do these again, uh, sort of goals. So for 2016, it's, uh, I don't want to do project management. Yeah. That's a good goal. Also, I want to go back. I'm fighting the urge for a rant, so I'm not going to do it. But, but I love that if you don't have a deal, you don't have anything. Like, yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I completely changed up RDI. I went to a different structure too. I just got sick and tired. If you listen to this, I'm just fucking sick and tired of people talking about real estate and not doing anything or I need to keep build the buyers. People put a thousand roadblocks in their way. Yeah. When, when you don't have a deal, you don't have anything. And I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm just saying you need a deal. Yeah. It all starts with a deal. You're not doing anything until you have a deal. I'm all for preparation, but you're right. If you don't have this, like, if you don't have a deal, you don't have anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you have a hobby. Right. 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 You have a hobby about reading about real estate and meeting about real estate. And there's estate. plenty of people that would love to hear from you on bigger pockets. <laughs> yes. You combine my two favorite things I don't like forums and roadblocks. You're right. You don't have, you don't have a deal. So now my favorite part as we wrap this up books blogs movies podcasts people friends animals whatever <laughs> right this is the part of every every podcast i listen to i love i want to know what people are reading watching thinking articles whatever in the jesse boyd empire what were what were the things that got you to where you are right now that you highly recommend for other people to read watch listen whatever yeah i mean i would say the the three books I can kind of or four books I can really uh that that were instrumental in in my path are uh most of them are are like the same few you hear all the time but they're it's okay it's it's there's a reason right absolutely so I mean obviously the first one I mentioned building wealth one house at a time by John Schaub uh, I mean that was great I mean for me to sit down as a teenager and read it and understand most of it after two reads through uh was pretty awesome i mean he breaks it down in a way that's uh that's pretty simple um and makes you feel like i can do this uh the next book was uh rich dad poor dad um again there was that motivating moment where his story kind of lined up with my story for a, a moment uh in in my past and kind of uh, lit a fire under my butt to make a decision eerily too. Right. Yeah. Bucks. Oh, it was crazy. It was like almost, it was, the situation was almost identical. Um, and then about the same time we were doing our first, um, our first deal, the one on Virgil street, I was reading, um, four hour work week. And that was huge. I, I devoured that book because here I am running, uh, a lawn maintenance company that it's just the polar opposite of the four hour work week. <laughs> the polar right? opposite. And I was the polar <laughs> the opposite. 80 hour work week. I, truly, you yeah. know, especially during the spring. I mean, you work as hard and as fast as you can because you, you have maybe a six week period to get all of your clients for the year or, you know, 90% of them because like that's when the demand hits. You know, you get the springtime, the grass starts growing, the phones start ringing. And when things kind of uh, get, get more steady, Coming into June, the phones stop ringing. I mean, you you work as long as hard as you can for those six weeks because you're you're not going to get a whole lot more, 
a whole lot more business the rest of the year. That's, that's your big chunk. So, um, yeah, here I am doing everything. I mean, crazy. I would, I would, I would wake up like five in the morning to get to the office sometimes to enter in all the production from the previous day production being just like all the jobs we did. I'd scan them in with a barcode, enter them in. So they all get logged into the system. And then I build all the, the routes and schedules for the day. Um, you know, guys start coming in, <clears throat> I'm helping with all the maintenance. I send guys out, um, get ready. And then I'd hop in a truck myself, Oh yeah, go do a bunch of work. Um, I'd get back and then sales would start. I'd put on the sales hat and then anyone that called or during the day or came in through our lead sources online, I'd go out and do estimates, meet with people and, and sell jobs. And, uh, yeah, 16 hours a day <clears throat> I'd, I'd come home, uh, you know, newly married and I'd come home, gobble up some food, take a shower and say good night. <laughs> It would be eight thirty sometimes, and I'd just be wiped. <laughs> and my wife's like, "Is this really what I signed up for? You know, maybe <laughs> is this because this isn't great? I don't, I don't see you at all. And then you come home, you eat, and then you go to sleep. And I said, I, you know, what do you want me to do? I'm sorry, I, I, I don't have anything left by the time I get home. Uh, but you know, she was right. Like, I, that's no way to live. I, uh, well, for the record, there's nothing wrong with that hustle, but... But it's got to be for a time. Yeah. There's a time and a place. So You don't want to be 80 doing that. So, you know, what I really realized was um, uh, the entire business was was funneling through me. Like, everything in the business had to touch Jesse in some way to, to work, to function. And I read four-hour work week, and I just, just ate it up. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm doing everything wrong. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I, I instead started empowering my employees to do uh uh to make their own decisions to do things on their own i taught them how to build their own routes and schedules and i uh i got it down to where i was working um maybe only an hour or two a day on the lawn business so then i could go and learn real estate so the four hour week really worked for you oh it did you just ruthlessly went through your lawn business i did yeah yeah. You can now Everything. make decisions. You can now make decisions. You can now live to this amount and it worked for you. Yeah. No, I mean, it wasn't perfect. I mean, well, I, I, perfect, I couldn't, right? I couldn't oversee everything, you know, thing, little things fall through the cracks, right? Quality would, would slip a little bit in areas, but I mean, for, for the amount of time that I reclaimed, it was totally worth it. Um, yeah, I got it down to, like I said, probably five or 10 hours a week all the way from, you know, easily, you know, sometimes double that in a day. Right. <laughs> and, uh, freed, freed me up to, to, to do all the things I did with real estate, to, to take people out for, for lunches and to, uh, chase after opportunities and do all those things for, for two years. There was two years where I was doing both. Um, but that was a long two years too. Wasn't yeah. It? yeah. <laughs> Especially after you came off 80 hour weeks and then had to do that for two years as well. So that's the part everybody likes to uh, pretend doesn't happen, right? The enormous amount of work it takes to get something off the ground. Yeah. That's yeah. something I found is completely underestimated. And having done, having done it, as I still underestimate it. It takes an enormous amount of work to get something off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Years and hours. So for our work week, any other books? 
Uh, recently, I read the one thing. Oh yeah, and that one, uh, man, like it makes so much sense, right? Oh. Like your brain reads it, and you're like, yes, yes, and then you try to do it. So hard, and your body just uh, me. I'll speak for myself. I fight it like it is. Uh, I fight it so so hard. So uh, I'm kind of growing through that process. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I've I'm sp- I've spoken to that a little bit, which is basically the idea of uh, f- it's focus, right? It's all about where where are you putting your energy, um, uh, what time of day you're applying that energy, um, how you're saying no to things, how you're putting up walls and defenses to distractions, things like that. So. Um, I'm working through that, that process. It's painful, but with good results, Extremely painful. it's extremely painful. It's, you know, it's not just read a book. Like like, you don't download it like the matrix, like, Oh, you know, the one thing (laughs) I know it. (laughs) I felt like that book was like Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy. Like what? How the fuck this guy looking at my life? Like, (laughs) how did you know? (laughs) Just look at Jeremy. I'm like, Oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. That. 2015, I'm going to call it the year of everything Jeremy is not. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at. I'm still, I'm not, I haven't even figured out who Jeremy is, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not this. I'm not that. I am not this. And that's, that's, that's a huge part of the process. Oh, man. It's just as important as who you are, right? Yeah. What do I suck you, at? Yeah. It's all got to go. It's all got to go. Yep. Yeah. And it's really, uh, it's, it's difficult, especially like if you're, like I can do most things decent. Yeah. Which is like a blessing and a curse, right? Because because I'm one who's drawn towards being prepared and being organized. If I apply enough time and thought and organization and preparation to anything, I can usually do it decent. But that means I really have a hard time realizing like what am I what am I bad at? What am I good at? Because uh, I feel like, oh, I'm decent at these 20 things, you know, but to pick to pick out of there, like, what am I truly good at and what should I be dropping? So that's that's been that's been the challenge. That is a difficult thing to do. Did yeah. you come to any conclusions yet? What is your one thing? Uh, I don't know. I don't have one thing yet. I mean, I know that uh, my strengths are in uh, basically organization and systems building systems for, for business. Um, I'm good at the financing end of, of real estate. Uh, and, uh, I'm getting better at marketing. I'm decent at marketing, getting better at it, getting better at it all the time. Yeah. You're definitely organized. That's so if I had one thing, like I would say, uh, it all comes back to like, even when I was a kid, like I'm just organized and I apply that to everything. And I'm not the most organized person in the world, but I just, I enjoy structure. It's just like I, like in the one thing he talks about talent and how talent is really just like you have a, uh, a natural bent towards something. Like my natural bent is to be straight, be organized, <laughs> organize things, <laughs> yeah. great to organize boxes. things yeah. and, and just to do them. I mean, uh, I had a, a uh, uh, I, I, yeah, I build I build checklists, I build systems, and then you just you just do them. I mean, that's all it is. It's you just so hard it. to do it though, but yeah. you you are right. This coming to terms with the fact that at least for me that almost everybody's better at almost everything. 
<laughs> which is a fact. Like, just get over it. Kill your ego, right? It's true. It is true. And I love what you said earlier. Why? You can go copy something that somebody's done way better than you could go do it. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm just, 2016, I'm going to call trust the software. Mm. The software, it's all fucking smarter than I am. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> right? Somebody put, if somebody put together a system and say, go do this, that's, and that's where the one thing for me, I don't know, I'm on the other side. I wish I could be more like you, and I'm trying to, I'm, to be more like you, <laughs> but I'm more like, fuck it. Let's get out there and do shit. Let's, what do we need to plan? We just start digging. And when we're done, we're done. Right. <laughs> there's some benefits to that, but there's some real liabilities of that, that way of thinking and that way of living mm, too, yeah. as I've experienced. So that's more of what I am not, you know, that's why I also like doing this too. I'm like, how's Jesse do it? Yes, yes, yes. I should do it more like Jesse. My way is stupid. <laughs> Look what that got me. So yeah. Any other books or anything else or any sage advice? Anything. Now's your time. I, you, you entertained me. I had a good time asking all the questions. If anything you want to talk about, now's your time. Uh, now's my time. Well, I'll just hit on again, just drive it home that, uh, most most of my success, especially the one thing that's that's allowed me to acquire so many properties, do so many do so many flips, is yeah, certainly like we said, you don't have anything without the the deal. But you can't. The next step is the money, right? You have to have the money. And yeah. so, uh, one thing that I've done really well at is is acquiring uh, funding, and that really comes down to. Uh, just doing what you say you're going to do. I had a, a teacher in high school who would say, um, if you want to be, uh, if you want to be a star at whatever you're doing, just do what you say you're going to do. If you want to be a superstar, all you have to do is 10% more. Yeah. It's a fine line between good and great. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, I mean, people have just trusted me with, millions of dollars simply because when I say something, they believe it to be true. And you get them to that point by doing it, by doing it. Yeah. I mean, just time and time again. And that didn't happen overnight. That didn't happen when I started real estate. That didn't happen when I started my lawn business even. I mean, that, that started all the way back, you know, from, obeying my parents. I mean, just it's, it has to be, it has to become who you are. I mean, if, if you're, if people can take your word as, as gold, it, I mean, it will become gold. I love that. Your word is gold Yeah, or it should be mm -hmm. right, man. I could learn that lesson earlier too. That is excellent advice. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for coming out. I really yeah. appreciate it. This was fun. This was fun. We should do this more often, although maybe not being recorded too. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Boyd, I buy MIHomes.com. Thanks, Jesse. I really appreciate you coming out. Really good stuff. I had a great time. If you enjoy and find this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. Give it a like. Do all that stuff. This is a free podcast and everything that you do along those lines really does help. Also, if you have any comments or suggestions, 
reach out and let me know. Go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You could also hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. Or if you prefer, you can watch this, albeit slowly. Hello, YouTube on youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. I'm still trying to figure out the video editing component of that. I just, I did start this on a shoestring budget time wise as well, and I'm still working to figure that out. So I apologize. I think I'm only up to episode four or five. Um, and as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to always take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know we talked about a lot of these things. They're distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad starts in life, bad habits, all that. You know what? Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you closer to your goals, even if it's one step. I really appreciate your time and uh, listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube or, or wherever you're at. Uh, I know you could be doing a lot of things, and I'm, I'm happy you're here. And I'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Until then, crush it. <laughs>